What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 152 are open. Joining me this week is none other than Brendan Tam. Hey, Owen, dude. Great to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me, and it's great to be here. And uh, I must say, the directions you gave me to the house were very good. I, oh, I didn't get too lost, and I'm safely in the house now. So it's yeah, good, yeah. good news. So you've come over the border from Victoria. So we are sort of isolating in different rooms, and we're using one of those like string phones just with cans to sort of talk to one another. And the audio quality is actually quite good for little little cans. The, what we're using, like you know, kids' tree houses and that. Surprisingly. Yeah, there's a science to it, and I, it, you can't you can't dispute it. it. It works perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. So, how's everything going in your part of the world in Victoria at the moment? Yeah, it's going pretty well. Thankfully, I mean, well, country Victoria, so it's yeah. no not much different than where you are probably. It's, yeah. If I was in Melbourne, it'd be a bigger bigger deal. Yeah, because I, I was wondering like whether it's sort of like the effects sort of a outreaching. Um, like far outside of Melbourne or not at the moment, but yeah, good to hear that everything's going all right so far. Yeah, touch wood that it. Well, and it seems that the numbers are declining, so hopefully that that trend continues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess uh, over over the last week or so, um, just looking at iTunes reviews, haven't got any new iTunes reviews, but if anyone would like to leave some, you're more than welcome to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a a review on there to help out the show, and. We've been keeping in the Australian charts, in the Denmark charts. So thank you to Australia and Denmark for keeping us in the charts. Very exciting. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. You, you really are one of the top Nintendo D- Danish podcasts and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Denmark. <laughs> um, it's, it, it reminds me of in the 80s when you had those rock bands that no one quite liked, but they became <laughs> big in Japan. But you're, you're big in Denmark. <laughs> Yeah, no, no one likes us, but uh, the Danish people have uh, become to like us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brandon, in, in case uh, people don't know who you are, they haven't listened to Blowing Cartridges. They weren't a part of another castle a few years ago. Um, I guess what's the elevator pitch to who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I guess I'm a passionate gamer. I've been involved in online gaming communities for the last... Oh, probably 15 years, and especially in the last six years, I started in Another Castle as a news editor and reviewer there, was on a podcast called Another Podcastle for a few years. I met Drew through that website. He yeah. did some, I think we talked him into doing a review once. He was on the podcast. <laughs> After that, I was on, there was another website called Heroes of Play that never quite got huge, but we did a few reviews. We covered PAX Australia there's YouTube videos up. There was a podcast for that. And the past few years, I've been a bit dormant in, I guess, creative endeavors for video games. But at the start of July, myself and another friend of mine, Zach, we decided to start a podcast called Blowing Cartridges. And it's really a video game podcast where we want to each week, each fortnight spend about an hour and a half really diving into a particular issue around gaming. So our latest episode, which went live on Monday night, is about, well, why we game and why gaming is compelling and a compelling hobby for us and why we've gamed all our lives. So 
it was a really good discussion to have. And I guess it's really, and I must say that it's through Drew and Bryce and their podcast that it really motivated me to give it a try and start my own podcast because I remember talking to Drew not long after he started his podcast. I think it was PAX, oh, it would have been 2017, mm. at around the time Mario Odyssey came out. And I think you were on about episode 10 or episode eight or around there and you were really enjoying it at that point and mm. it really sort of that's when the gears started turning of oh maybe i should think about starting one as well yeah and like it, it was even i've even got you the thank for you know getting into this because um back when another castle you guys were doing an, uh, another another podcastle uh I remember I got the chance to join you guys on that show and I, I, I was just like a huge podcast fan, listened to heaps myself and having the opportunity to actually go on and just talk with you guys and be on a podcast was really exciting to me and it was like sort of one of the things that got or gave me a bit of a taste for doing this myself. So, um, And seeing you guys start up your new show, Blowing Cartridges, I'm like, yes, it's really awesome to see. It's it's definitely a bug that once you catch it, it's hard to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I finished um, episode two today, and it was really great, man. It's really it's really cool that I, listening to just sitting down and getting real deep and dirty into a certain gaming topic. I'm glad to hear. Glad glad you enjoyed it, and hopefully we get you on sometime soon, and we can dive in together into that mud and dirt. Yeah. There was uh, one thing Zach said on the show um, on episode two where it's just like um, he, like that he doesn't really <laughs> like get people that um, I guess aren't into gaming or whatever, like some of his friends that dropped out. And I thought that was pretty funny because I'm like I, I, I was thinking like a similar thing. Like I haven't – I've been into gaming my whole life. So people that have fallen out, it's kind of like, oh, why? And it makes it, – it, it really does make you think about like the psychology of like why people stay um, gaming and why simple, some people might drop out and all that stuff. Well, exactly. And it, it's something that we've all experienced, which we thought it would be a good topic because I definitely have friends that that's happened to and you never quite, you sort of game with them for a majority of your life and then they start dropping off and you become more passionate and you think, oh, hang on, you, you were interested in this last Zelda game. Why aren't you interested in the new one? <laughs> Come on, mate. Yeah, get I mean, hyped. I guess there's like so many aspects. It's like you know, you make a new friend and they're into something else, so you drop out, or you know, you're into girls or whatever you're into at that time, and <laughs> you sort oh, of exactly. lose, lose interest. So maybe, maybe that speaks to us how just obsessed we are with some some of these games coming out. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Yeah. As I like to say, I think we're we're all very special people in our own ways. <laughs> Like when I was a kid, I just remember always looking forward to a release date, which I don't know how how healthy or whatever that is because you're sort of just like almost wishing away your life, just like, oh, I can't wait for this game. It's like three months away. Oh, I wish it was here right now type of thing. I remember that with Mario Kart Wii especially. I was like so amped for that game to come out. So I think I was like waiting for that game since the start of the year until May that year. So that's like five months where I'm just like excited about it every single day. <laughs> I remember that even with the 3DS launch. I remember pre-ordering it at Dick Smith had a really good deal. Oh yes, I got that pre-ordered too. Then, yeah. It there, and yeah, it was great. I think it was like it was sort of nearly at the price that it eventually got price dropped to, and you got a game as well, like really good deal. But I remember pre-ordering that and sort of 
counting down to when it would release, even though I was like, well, there's not really any games coming out for this. So yeah, well, why am I excited for it? But Yeah, I was so pumped for it. But like the only game I played on release day was Rayman 3D. Like that that was it. Like there wasn't any like ex- exciting launch title. There wasn't even like Ocarina of Time remake. That was still four months later. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a great launch. And it's got to be going to be great to be able to talk about launch lineup soon when the Xbox um, Series X and PS5 ones are announced. I think it's going to be a good conversation to be able to relive all the great launches and the not so great launches. Yeah. Xbox Series X with their biggest launch library ever, which includes Assassin's Creed 2 and every single Xbox 360 game, <laughs> putting their marketing <laughs> and, spin and, on and it. Original Xbox games as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, sweet. That's not really a launch lineup necessarily, but it's good It's good backwards compatibility. Good on you, Microsoft. Yep. Congratulations for your great <laughs> PR in marketing. Yeah, fantastic. So, Tam, have you been playing much over the last week or so? I've mainly been playing uh, Paper Mario Origami King, which uh, you and Bryce talked briefly about your last episode, yeah. and I've really been enjoying that. Yeah. Um, h- how do you feel like... You actually brought up um, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door on episode two of Blowing Cartridges and you said that was one of your um, favourite games, even though you said you didn't finish it. Did you say you didn't finish it or you didn't finish it till years later? Uh, Zach, Zach eventually finished it. I actually never finished right, that yeah, game. I yeah. still I still have a save file on the final boss. It's oh, just no. <laughs> something I've always wanted to go back and do, but... It's as we talked about in that episode. It's hard to get the motivation to go back to a game once you've, I guess, dropped it and moved on to another one. Yeah, that's like story of my life. I like barely go back to anything, <laughs> even though like I'm like I really love this game. I really should go back and um, finish it. But so, uh, what are you liking about this one? I'm just adoring the the writing is hilarious. I think. And the, the way they sort of make fun of their playing base, which they've always done in Paper Mario, is great. Like yeah. how well, the, it's not really a spoiler, but one of the one of the motivations of the boss is that the I guess the anta- the main antagonist of the game is that he hates toads. And one of the major criticisms of Sticker Star and Color Splash was, oh, there's too many damn toads in this game. <laughs> there's no unique characters like the original game in Thousand Year Door. So it seems like intelligent systems are just knuckled down and doubled down and are like, oh, well, you hate Toads? Well, so does so does the antagonist of this game. He also hates Toads. Yeah. I like that um, actually collecting Toads actually has some um, in-game use as well, like in the battle system where they're in the grandstands and you can call on them with coins to sort of help do damage and heal up health and all that type of thing. So it's actually like gives you a reason to want to go and get them, which is cool. Well, exactly. It's not just a... It's not just, I guess, a MacGuffin or a collectible like in your collect-a-thon games. They actually have a purpose to your playthrough, which is really good. And I guess you can't talk about Origami King without mentioning the soundtrack. That soundtrack is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like, yeah, the, the battle theme, like, especially, like, it, it makes you want to turn up the volume each time you go into a battle, even if you, like, have it down a fair bit, which is a great testament to how good it is. Exactly, and, and just every, every new area you go to, as soon as you enter it, you want to turn up that volume and mm. just listen to the area theme for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so h- how far are you in the game? Have you sort of played much or are you like um, near the start? I'm still relatively near the start, sort of about three quarters of the way through the second ribbon. So still early days, but mm-hmm. I guess I, I think I have a more or less a good feel of what the game is like and its pros and cons. So, yeah. and it's definitely, I'm definitely compelled to keep on playing. I, I do want to see this one to the end, I think. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Bryce, actually, he mentioned the other day, I don't know exactly how long it is, but he mentions it, mentioned it's anywhere from 35 to 40 hours. I'm like, oh, like that's longer than I thought yeah, it was going to be. And it seems, that's, that seems like, I don't know, is, is that a little bit too long for this type of experience? I'm not sure, but got to keep playing. Yeah, I and think how out. long to, I think how long to beat said about 24 to 40 hours. So that mm. sounds about right. But I guess for me, having just finished Xenoblade Chronic, well, yeah, the yeah. last <laughs> game I played to completion was Xenoblade Definitive Editions yeah. and plus Future Connected, the sort of side chapter to that. That was 80 hours. So I'm like, oh, 24 to 40 hours, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, definitely compared to that, it's like, yeah, pretty pretty easy time-wise for the investment. Yeah, because for me, this has been the year of, I guess, RPGs, like, the main game, I, the first game I sort of finished the completion this year was Fire, or one one playthrough of Fire Emblem three hours. I still have to go back and do the other two. Then I did Xenoblade. Now I'm doing Paper Mario. Yeah. Bloody crazy, man. Do you have any more RPGs um, in the, I guess, the pipeline to play this year? Or once you finish Paper Mario, do you reckon you'll be like, all right, I'm going to play some Mario Kart for a bit, just chill out? Well, I actually, uh, actually have Tale, um, Trails of Cold Steel three on Switch, which oh, right. um, yeah. I haven't played the first two. I haven't played the first two games, but I was listening to the Thirsty Mage podcast, which mm. is, I think they're affiliated. They're affiliated with Nintendo World Report, and they basically said, "Oh yeah, you d- it's a really good game. You don't necessarily have to play the first two games," which I think is a bit of a bit of a controversial opinion in the JRPG community, but <laughs> I. I listened to their podcast. They convinced me, and I. It sounds like a really fun game, like good battle system, good narrative and story. So I'll give that a try, probably. But I guess I try to I try to break up the types of games I play. So I put like between Fire Emblem and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, I played um, Tie the Tasmanian Tiger to completion. So something shorter and didn't really take much effort or thought process to finish that. So right. I'll probably do something similar before I try another JRPG. Yeah. How was that, how was that on Switch? I haven't really looked much into that game. It is really a product of its time. It, it sort yeah. of it screams <laughs> early 2000s mascot platformer, but with an Australian twist to it, which is absolutely brilliant. There's <laughs> there's some well-known Australian voice like actors voice casted in that game and it's it's just hilarious. All all the characters speak in just Australian slang. Ty says like "you beauty" all the time, and <laughs> it, it 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 just has it has like from a gameplay perspective, it's probably not that great, but it just has a lot of heart, I think, and a, a lot of character. And it's it, it takes about you can finish it in about five hours. Yeah, just like as an Australian, you get a kick out of just like oh, you said the word that a lot of us say. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's he. He said, "Mate, oh, that's really funny. Let's <laughs> let's go, <laughs> let's go." <laughs> yeah. So, how do you feel about Paper Mario? Uh, like not having the RPG sort of leveling up systems. Does that bother you, or is or is that something you would like to see come back? How do you feel on that aspect of the series going forward? 
I guess I've come to, I, I guess I, I'm so, I've sort of come to the realization that that's what Paper Mario is these days and mm. I can enjoy it for what it is instead of what it isn't because I went through that exact same process with Super Paper Mario when I got that early in the Wii life cycle. I remember because I love Paper Mario Thousand Year Door as I mentioned on episode two and uh, I heard, oh, Super Paper Mario's coming out. I'm going to love this. This is going to be great. And I remember getting that, starting to play that and I played about two or three hours of that and I never went back. Still haven't gone back to that game because uh-huh. it just it just wasn't what I expected. It wasn't a wasn't a turn-based RPG. It was played completely differently. So I sort of stayed away from it. I have I have Sticker Star. I never played that. Uh, but now I've sort of, I guess I, I've come to the realisation that, well, it's not going to be an RPG, but it still sounds like an interesting game. I, I like the stuff. I like the aesthetic of it. I like the art style. I like the music. The writing's always amusing. There is, there's a lot to gain from playing the game than just, I guess, bemoaning the fact it's not an RPG. Yeah. And of course, there is. There are flaw. There's flaws to the battling system. There's, there's flaws to the puzzle system, which you, which I guess masquerades as the battling system. But I, I think there's some fun aspects to it as well that makes it enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Because it's been like over a decade like since the series has been without sort of leveling up mechanics in the game. Like it's been a long time. I'm, I'm, it's kind of surprising that people haven't really adjusted to it yet. Like they kind of they kind of treat it like Thousand Year Door came out four years ago and then they suddenly just like flip the switch and then this is like a completely different series. But it's been like this for longer than it's been an RPG series now. Well, exactly, and I've, I've never quite understood the fascination with levelling systems, honestly. And I'm someone that I've played a lot of RPGs, yeah. played well, played World of Warcraft for many years, so used to it. But I noticed in Xenoblade Chronicles that, in effect, the levelling system at, at, at a certain point just becomes a sort of gatekeeper of, oh, you can't go to this area, you can't attack these, you can't attack these enemies yet because you're not the right level. Go yeah. grind for a bit and come back. Yeah. I think in a lot of RPGs, they don't necessarily handle leveling well, and it, it gets to the point of, well, it's just gate, it's gating you from progressing through the game. Yeah, because like my first Mario RPG was uh, Mario and Luigi and uh, Partners in Time, and like I would like run through that game and I'd skip enemies because like oh you know I want to save time whatever, and I get to a boss, and every single boss I struggled so much, and then a friend of mine he bought the game and he just zoomed past us and finished the game. Like, how the hell would you beat it that quick? This game is so hard. Um, and it was because just like he was just battling every enemy. The pacing of that game was designed to just like beat everything. And then that will make you the suitable level to move on. Like, um, So like in, in uh, the new Paper Mario games, when you get to a boss, you're not going to lose against it because, oh, I didn't battle enough Goombas. You're going to lose against it because you didn't like do the puzzle quick enough or you didn't think about where you need to hit the particular enemy. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about the leveling up mechanics either because like I I love like gaining experience in that too. Like it's just really fun just to, you know, see the numbers pop up and it gives you like a really real rewarding feeling. But, uh, for this game in particular, the way they've made it, I don't feel bad that it's disappeared. Yeah. And, and they do make it quite easy to skip a lot of the normal battles anyway. Yeah, a lot of the enemies you can just walk around them and they'll quickly stop following you. 
Yeah, which is good. Which, which is honestly <laughs> what I do quite a bit. Yeah. I like the bit like at the very start when like you get the hammer. Ben's like, hey, you can just hit them and they die straight away. You don't have to go into a battle. And like it kind of makes me want to just do that for all the areas. <laughs> but it just become like a really wonky Mario platformer kind of <laughs> if you're just like not doing those battles and well, it's just all exploration. But yeah. Well, I've, I've made the argument on a few Discord channels that it would actually be a very interesting action RPG if it was just you took the combat that you use when in, in Origami King, you take on those big paper mache shy guys and goombas and just apply that to all the battles and maybe have the boss fights as they are using the ring system because I think especially for boss fights, the ring system works quite well. But yeah. I actually like the sneaking up on enemies and smashing them with a hammer and I think that could be changed up a bit. But you could also change up the the ring system as well if you added if you added sort of multiple rings and you controlled multiple characters at the same time and you had to sort of line up multiple enemies and get them all in the range of like one or two or three different characters you controlled, it, it could become a lot more interesting and complex. So I think it's a good system at its core. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. So have you been playing anything else or just onto the Paper Mario train? Uh, well, this week I didn't pl- actually play any Paper Mario. Over the weekend it was um, Pokemon Go Fest 2020, so I've been uh, playing... Uh, that over the weekend are you did you ever play pokemon go or do you currently play at all or what's your go with that game so my current go is that i only have my iphone has about 64 gigs of storage and a lot of that is music and photos so i have to constantly (laughs) delete my pokemon go app to actually use my phone so uh currently not playing but pokemon go has always been a very i play in bursts since the first launch, like I loved it at launch, played it for a long time, dropped it. Then when I was in my final year of undergrad uni at Melbourne Uni, I had a friend in my honours class that was very keen on it. So I used to go on raids with her and got oh, got into it again. And then when I was in Scotland, I also started, I walked a lot, I had to walk to class a lot and it was a very walkable city. So whenever I was walking somewhere, I'd just chuck open um, Pokemon Go and catch some Pokemon and, well, always hatching eggs and that sort of thing. So I see the appeal of it. I enjoy it, but it's not something I play all the time. Yeah, I, I I wasn't into it for a long time. I played it when it came out and sort of fallen off it because a lot of other people fell off it as well. But I think it was uh, last packs where I saw some people playing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in the cities. There's actually things to do because in the country town I'm in at the moment, there was just like so little to do. Um, and like I didn't know anyone else who played it. Uh, doing raids was impossible, and it's just like oh, I've you know I can't really do what the game wants me to do to, to play it. So sort of lost interest in it. But uh, last year when I went to PAX for uh, and in Melbourne, um, I, I got sort of uh, reinvigorated to play it. When I come back, I kept on playing it. Um, made, made some friends within the in the town. There's like a, actually they had a Facebook group going where they do like do raids and that. So oh cool. So I jumped in there and started doing that and I've, I've sort of become like there was one stage where I was like actually like pretty obsessed with it. Like, like that was like pretty much all I was playing. I get home and I'm still playing Pokemon Go because of all the features they've added. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Pokemon Go Fest this year, basically every year they have Pokemon Go Fest in a different city within the world and obviously because of coronavirus, that's a no-go this year. So they opted to uh, hold it worldwide. 
And it was a ticketed event. It's like $22 for a ticket, but it gives you access to like challenges and exclusive Pokemon and et cetera, et cetera. And it, it was a lot of fun. So basically the weekend I, I, I spent just walking around. Um, I had work at nighttime, so I made sure I got the most out of my days. And I'm going out into the town just by myself, listening to podcasts, just like flinging Pokeballs at things. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, basic, what was the... The best thing was like on day two where there's a there's a Team Rocket challenge where you're able to capture Zapdos, Moltrace, Articuno, um, a Shadow, Mewtwo, and then that was the time they actually released Victini, which is uh, a little fire fire mythical Pokemon from uh, Generation 5. So, I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all, you know, pretty cool stuff. But if you're not into Pokemon, it's just like, what the hell are you on about, Drew? But um, I'm really enjoying it. And, and apparently they made a shitload of money out of this weekend too, which we'll talk about when we get to the news. But um, I think this is going to be sort of a mainstay because of how successful they were at um, getting money out of everybody. Yeah, it's, I don't think they're going to go back to their old model of it's no. only one city a year by the sounds of it. No, because like it doesn't really make much sense. Like why, why limit yourself when you can just get 22 bucks or the equivalent out of everyone across the world <laughs> well exactly because you get all the hardcore pokemon go fans and i'm sure it also brings in a lot of other people that occasionally play it that they decide oh this is the weekend to do it with all my friends i'm going to go in and yeah. get a group of friends and do it yeah because like, i'm not going to go to london or i'm not even going to go to sydney to like go and play in a, in a go fest but i'm happy to buy a ticket and just run around my own town Well, exactly, and you can you can become one of those hardcore Pokemon Go fans, Drew, and get a second phone, and you can have two people mm. effectively. There's, there's there's a few of them getting around my town. Actually, it's just like all right, it's a bit much. I know, like it's it kind of it was necessary before because like just a limited amount of people, like you, people kind of needed a second phone. Like if they're going around with a friend. They need you need like at least four to do a legendary raid. So I was like, all right, you need like the extra <laughs> phone to actually play it. It was that's how it kind of was. But um, they introduced remote raiding uh, like a week or so before yeah. uh, Pokemon Go Fest, and it's made the game a lot more playable for people like me in a country town. I uh, I actually filled out my friends list with like people from like uh, Japan, New Zealand uh like america just like all these different places so i've got friends all over the world and uh the japanese sort of time zone lines up with ours so i was getting heaps of invites from japanese players so i was able to do like raids pretty much just throughout the day um which was just really useful because like if i was just doing it in my town we might be lucky to get you know six people that'd be like a good raid but i was like jumping into raids with like 15 people from japan and from all over the world so it's really, really useful in that way. But it is, I don't know, like some people might think that it sort of takes away the point of a playing playing the game when you can just like sit in bed and do raids. Because I, I, like, it starts at 10 o'clock. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll get up at 10 o'clock and I'll, I'll go. But then I was just literally sitting in bed with an incense on, just catching Pokemon, doing raids, doing everything. I'm like, oh, do, I, do I even have to leave my room? I don't think I did. I didn't really have to go anywhere. <laughs> But it's more fun to actually get up, and it was it was a nice weekend, so it was worth getting up and checking out stuff. Well, exactly, and I think that's that's the point to the detractors who say it takes away from the purpose. There's always going to be a point to actually 
get out there on your feet, go to go to see some gyms, go to some pokey stops. Yeah. Win, win some win some gins over, get get those pokey coins or what are they called pokey coins or yeah. I just know the gold coins Pikachu's face on them, but pretty sure they're pokey coins. Get some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Pokey coins. They they did some changes to gyms recently where uh, if you hold a gym for I think it's like twenty four hours or so, you get thirty coins. And then if you do like certain other challenges, you get the extra 20 coins. Whereas before it was just like you get the 50 coins from the gym. So I'm really not that motivated to put stuff in gyms anymore. I haven't done it in a fair while just because the amount you get back isn't really all that tempting. So I don't really like the changes they've made to that. But um, just the collection aspect, I'm enjoying it more than ever. So that's good. Got to catch them all. You do. You do. I'm only missing a few Kanto Pokemon now. I think it's like uh, only missing like the regional Pokemon. So it's Tauros, Mr. Mime, Farfetch'd, some other ones. Like in Australia, we get Kangaskhan because I guess it's a, a kangaroo or it's got a pouch or something like that. So that counts as an Australian animal. Um, but yeah, so I'm only missing them. So if anyone's out there with a Mr. Mime and all of those Pokemon, uh, trade them with me. Please. I well, Drew, them. I'm... Drew, I'm, I'm happy to trade you a Mr. Mime. Yeah, because you would have Mr. Mime, yeah. Because you I think uh, Mr. Mime was Europe. Is that where? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would love a Mr. So, Mime. So many in Europe, actually. I, I will yeah. see more Mr. Mimes and you see Kangas. I think they've changed the rates, of course. But at one point, like, whenever I opened up Pokemon Go, there would always be a Mr. Mime there to catch. Oh, sweet. Yeah, because there are a few, fair few Kangaskhan around here. I'm always catching Kangaskhan and it's like, oh, you know, it kind of, like, it's a pretty powerful Pokemon. It's pretty good, but <laughs> just getting that many of them is like, all right, I'm, I'm sick of them. Let's <laughs> show me something else. Well, exactly. You just get tired of seeing the same Pokemon over and over again. And I think that's one of the points why I stopped playing. Because at one point I was playing sort of every day, would open it up. But because I was going to the same areas at similar times, it was, Generally the same. I know they changed over depending on what was going on, but yeah. often it was, oh, I'm, I don't need any more of those Pokemon. Why would I catch them? Yeah. Because, like, after the GoFest finished, it's gone back to, like, uh, Caterpie and just, like, stuff like that. It's like, all right, I don't even know why I'm turning on the game at the moment. There's nothing that interesting around. All right. So... Anything else you're playing before we move on to the news? Well, you, you joked about it earlier, but I, I, I have been playing Mario Kart a bit, actually. With, um, <laughs> my my sister's over at the moment, so we like to crack crack that open up and play a few races every night. So Mark, I, Mark I'm really Kart, enjoying uh, that. Because oh, sorry, Mario Kart, Mario Mario Kart, Kart 8. 8. Yep, cool. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 on Switch. I actually only got that recently because... For many years, I, well, I had it on Wii U and I always thought, oh, why do I need it on Switch? Because I have it on Wii U, but I'm not right. with my Wii U at the moment. So right. decided to finally get it on Switch and re really enjoying that and really rediscovering why that is such a good game. Yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, when's Mario Kart 9? But I really don't really see the need for a Mario Kart 9. I don't know. that They'll have to do something like pretty different because they're not going to do anything sort of, you know, graphically or engine-wise to it necessarily i think so i don't and they already made a fair few changes to mario kart 8 on switch you know they did the the dual item system uh battle mode was improved a lot they added the dlc there's plenty of courses and characters to choose from 
So just like the typical things you would expect, like extra courses, extra characters. Um, yeah, I don't know what we would benefit from a Mario Kart 9 at the moment unless like, you know, they go for a different type of mechanic where it is, I don't know, say double dash or something like that. I'd like them to do a sort of Smash Ultimate take on it instead of everyone is here character-wise, every stage is here and they just have every single Mario Kart stage from all awesome. the Mario Kart games ever developed. That that would be awesome. That would be sick, yeah. Uh, it'll be, and they're all yeah. updated. Yeah, maybe they're all updated like they are on the Switch. It would be, it would look brilliant and play really well. Yeah, I would even be just be up for more Mario Kart Eight DLC. Just do another pack. Yeah, but Nintendo just oddly seems to not want to support the games uh, digitally, as I'm sure. Well, you and Bryce have talked about this occasionally over the years, but like, look at Splatoon. They dropped Splatfests for. The last year, I know they're sort of bringing them back on a on a sort of one-off basis now, but yeah. those were huge, and I know a lot of people got back into it for the catch-up and mayor. And if they released more DLC for that, they, they'd get a lot of people buying it. But and <laughs> and you only have to look at Mario Party or Super Mario Party on Switch as well. Like, where's the DLC for that? Yeah. That's crying out for it. Yeah, because I, I know, like, I went back for the catch-up versus DLC. Not not versus DLC, catch up versus Mayo. It's just <laughs> <laughs> catch up versus DLC. Uh, so like you know, you got to stand up for what you believe in, and I I really like catch up or tomato sauce as we call it here yeah. in Australia. Yes. <laughs> so let's. It was, it was a great win by catch up. It was, and I think Mayo won the first first round back in the day, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So it was it was righteous vengeance. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tam, are you ready to get into some news? Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Tam. So first one on the agenda is from my Nintendo News, and it's uh um, a book coming out, which you actually put in the Discord and put me onto. So it's uh, Words of Wisdom and Awada uh, Ask coming to the West in spring 2021. And uh, Viz Media has confirmed this evening that Awada Ask Words of Wisdom is getting an official English release and is scheduled to arrive uh, in the West next spring. The tribute to the late and great Nintendo president Satoru Awada will be available in both print and digital editions. The book launched in Japan some time ago and now English readers can experience it for themselves. So I never actually heard about this before, Tam, but is did you hear about it when it came out in Japan or did you just hear about it when it got announced for um, a Western release? Yeah, so I heard about this when it first got announced for Japan and I've or I've been eagerly watching it and sort of hoping that they would do a official English translation because I, th- I believe that, I'm going to butcher the name, but I believe it was written or he participated in the writing of it, Shikazatsu Itoi, who was the creator of Earthbound, the Mother series, and he was quite a close friend of Awata and mm. he had some very touching things to say when Awata passed away. He, he wrote this very moving poem that I remember reading and it was very, very emotional. And I, I'm just very interested to see what's in the book because from the extracts I've read, there's some very interesting things about or what are asked and sort of 
his life and some of his insights on development and that sort of thing. So I think it's going to be a very worthwhile read for Nintendo fans. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't read anywhere near as much as I would like. I'd like to like, you know, get through a book a month type of thing and learn things. Um, but you know, it, it, it doesn't happen because I choose to spend my time playing video games and other things. But whenever like an interesting video game book comes up, I'm always like, yes, I'm going to read that. And this one, especially obviously about um, someone who I respect so much and just information about how he, uh, you know, had influence on products that I really, really love. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick this up, whether it is digital or an actual hardcover book, depending on what the situation is in 2021. But um. Oh, I think we'll get a hardcover book, thankfully, and there's there's still something special about getting those hardcover books. I find, I yeah, guess. definitely, yeah. I'm a bit of a collector, unfortunately, as I always say. But there's there's something about I have a Kindle as well, but it's it's just not the same. Yeah, definitely I not. Find. Yeah, because like I I got my iPad back in 2014, and the, the intention was to um, download books on that store and just like read them there. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's just easy. They're like, you know, $5 most to buy. You know, it's a cheap way to do it, easy way to do it. Um, but, yeah, I like I started doing it and I just didn't enjoy it as much because just the – because there's one thing owning a physical video game, like you, you buy it, you, you get the disc out, you install it onto your PlayStation or put the thing into your Switch. You're like, cool. But you're playing it exactly the same. But when you're actually reading a book, it's just the whole experience is completely different. You're holding a completely different thing. So – yeah, I'll try and get a physical copy, but we'll see. We'll see uh, <laughs> how long that will take to get here and everything, especially to Australia. And if but, they, even if they even publish to Australia, obviously they're saying like the West, so they're probably thinking about America, um, for and foremost. Yeah, Touchwood, and I just it really really makes me remember fondly reading all those Water asks. I used to love reading those when a new game released, and you could go on Nintendo's website and click on a Water's ask and and read about a water interviewing the developers of a game. And I think that's something that's really been missing over the last five, six years. And yeah, I, I, I know they aren't going to bring it back, but I wish they did. Yeah. And you can see a fair few things like what they used to do missing because of a water, obviously the water ass, which obviously you can't replace, but even like the directs where how personal and intimate it was with him sort of like showing you Nintendo games and over the years, especially with like the loss of Reggie and all of that, it's just become like, all right, here's the points we need to hit and that's what it is. And, you know, that, that's fine. But uh, looking back on the days where Awada was more, um, I guess, the in the spotlight because of that, you know, just like even like the E3 presentations of the Robot Chicken and then the Muppets the next year, I really miss them. I really wish the E3 presentations were just like really weird, really wacky, just they go balls to the wall with the production and just really enjoy themselves. But they sort of moved away from that at E3 as well. But, yeah, looking forward to this book. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah, sorry, you go on. Nah, we probably should go on. Um, I was just, just going to ask, do you read many video game books? And if you do, do you have any you suggest people um, or myself go and check out? So I have one that I've been meaning to read for um, many years. I think it's called it's, it's called Game Over. I think it's about yeah. Sega and America and Sega and Nintendo in the early '90s and their sort of feud and war. Oh, or was, it's called no, it's Console Wars. I don't have Game Over is another book. Yeah, Console Wars is the one I'm talking about. And I've been meaning to read that. Otherwise, I'm a bit of a reader, but I mainly read a lot of 
dry, crusty history books these days. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did read one book about, I think it was 101 greatest video games between 1978 and 1986 and that was I, I wrote a review for another castle for that but that was that was actually probably the last video game related book i read yeah yeah console wars was actually like the book i'm thinking about when i said i bought it on ipad and then you know i got like halfway through it and then for whatever reason didn't get the other half read which was a shame because that book is actually, absolutely fascinating actually there is that reminds me i did buy a video game related book on my kindle and i really want to read it it's um Jason Schreier, he used to write for, I think, Kotaku. Now he's mm. with, um, oh, he's with some, some other website now. He's with not, Bloomberg. Not necessarily game. He's with Bloomberg. Sorry. He's with Bloomberg doing their That's gaming right. coverage. Yeah. Yes, he's with Bloomberg now doing their gaming coverage. But I think his book is about sort of the, it's about, um, oh, what's it called? When a game isn't released. Um, Delayed. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I should know it as well. No, but. games that are sorry, games that are cancelled. It's it's an easy term. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> it's getting late, isn't it? But yeah, it's about sort of it's about the development process, especially on cancelled games and sort of crunch time and those sort of phenomenon in video game development. So I'm very eager to give that a read. I can't remember what it's called for the life of me, but if you search Jason Schreier, I'm sure you find it. Yeah. Uh Jason Schreier. It's coming with, it's coming up with other Jason Schreiers on my on <laughs> on um google so i can't find it just off the off the cap but yeah so i guess uh, next up this is we've got a couple of small ones before we get into some bigger ones so uh the uh, the 15th tetris 99 maximus cup begins july 31st and it's a uh, paper mario the origami king so if you want to participate in that um the event runs from uh, 12 a.m pt on july 31st to the 3rd of August. So if you want that exclusive theme for Paper Mario, jump in. I think we actually um, joked about it a couple of episodes ago, but this is going to happen. But it's pretty obvious it's going to happen. Um, so Yeah, I think they're doing it for every major Nintendo release now, aren't they? Yeah, I guess it's just like an easy bit to keep that keep the game going. All they do is like put a picture in the background and put some music and that's pretty much it. So <laughs> it's a pretty easy way to keep new content revolving in that game. <laughs> Um, next up is uh, some Pokemon TCG expansion news. So a new Pokemon TCG expansion is coming, and it's called uh, Champion's Path. So this this is just a little write-up from my Nintendo News. And they say, Today, the Pokemon Company International announced the newest expansion for the Pokemon trading card game, Champion's Path. Available worldwide starting September 25th, the expansion recreates a trainer's journey through the Galar region as seen in the Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield video games by collecting various pins featuring gym logos as well as foil c cards uh, for the partner Pokemon for each gym leader. Champions Path also adds new Pokemon V and Pokemon V Max like Venusaur V, Lucario V, Dreadnought V Max, Alcremi V Max, and more. So I just brought this up just in case people are interested in the Pokemon trading card game. Um, I like personally for me, I always want to get into it and like every every time a new expansion comes out i'm like cool this is my time to get in and then like when a new expansion comes out it just makes me feel bad i'm like oh now i have to go and get that so that kind of just makes me not go not get in there because there, there was a point before where i went on this might have been around i think it was like when um pokemon sun and moon came out back in 2016 
And I was like, this was like the, the high of Pokemon Go and everything. And I went on to Amazon. I bought like 200 bucks worth of Pokemon cards. I bought like the boxes and everything. And just I really enjoyed, unboxed them, got the rare ones, put them in the folder. I'm like, cool. And that's that's all they are. They're just like a display piece. So I haven't really jumped in there to keep up with the new game and um, actually play it. Play it Because I never actually played it. Like even when I was a kid, I just sort of like collected the cards and went, cool. I don't know what these attacks do. I don't know what this number at the top does, but the artwork looks cool. So that's as far as I go with the Pokemon trading card game. Did you ever play Pokemon tr- uh, trading cards? When I when I was back in primary school, in those in when it first came out, I remember. Honestly, I remember trading cards more than actually playing the game. But I did play a few. I played the game quite a bit as well, and it was a fun. It was a fun card game. But I remember my friend group just we. My friend group and sort of kids in general at my school quickly moved on to Yu-Gi-Oh! So right. Pokemon trading card games sort of got left behind. Yeah, at my school it was Yu-Gi-Oh! as well. Uh, and like, so, some of my friends actually gave me like a, a handful of their duplicate cards like, oh, you know, get into it, you know, learn how to play it. And a, a few lunchtimes there was like this guy who was like, I guess we sort of saw him as like the king of Yu-Gi-Oh! He just, he watched the show, he knew how to play, <laughs> he had like like ice cream containers full of cards and we'll go to like the shelter shed, which was just like, you know, ash, like asphalt just with seats. We'll like kneel on the ground and put the Yu-Gi-Oh cards down and um, play it like that. I never really got into Yu-Gi-Oh that much. I felt, I thought the cartoon was kind of cool and kind of corny. It was, you know, it was fine. It was a good waste of time in the morning. Um, but I, I always had something like a little vendetta against Yu-Gi-Oh because in the mornings I had to catch the school bus like pretty early to get into town because I lived out of town so I'd be able to watch yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! And just as I had to get in the car, Pokemon would come on. So I, I, oh, nev- no. I never got to watch like Pokemon on Cheese TV, which was absolutely devastating. So I'd get to school and my friends who live in town would catch me up on that episode saying, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> Brock got a mudkip and it was really cool and they, they, they beat Team Rocket. I'm like, oh, really? Wow, wow. <laughs> just, that was like my day, like getting the school up. All right, Adam. <laughs> What happened in Pokemon? You're like, all right, man, let's sit down. Let's discuss this. It's pretty serious, this episode. Uh, Team Rocket showed up. It was fucking nuts. It's like, all right. So, yeah, that's my experience with card games. Very exciting. So Better to stay out of them. They were a massive <laughs> money drain from what I've seen from friends. So yeah. we already have video games, Drew. So I think that's one That's one money pit enough. Yeah, especially with Pokemon. I think they get. I think they get my money well enough as it is. So speaking of getting my money, <laughs> this is from gamesindustry.biz and the title is Players Spent uh, 17.5 Million During Pokemon Go Fest 2020. So uh, the article... Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a bit of a longer article, but the article reads, Last weekend's Pokemon Go Fest saw a massive spike in user spending with 17.5 million spent during the... Uh, spent across the two-day event. Sensor Tower estimates... Uh, estimates uh, show players spent uh, 8.9 million on Sunday, July 25th, and 8.6 million on Sunday, July 25th. By comparison, revenues for Friday, July 24th reached 7.8 million. The 8.9 million generated on the first day of the event makes it the most lucrative day, a single day for player spending in the same game since July 29, 2016, when players spent 13.3 million. 
since the start of the year, Pokemon Go has generated, holy shit, uh, $539 million, bringing its lifetime revenue to almost $3.7 billion across the last four years. Developer Niantic made significant changes to the game earlier this year to account for the COVID-19 pandemic. While the game centers around players going out to the real world and act interacting with different locations, the studio made it easier for players to progress while staying at home. This has an immediate effect with revenues spiking just one week later. So just off uh, that note of Niantic making big changes, obviously we talked about the remote raids before. They've done an absolutely fantastic job of really evolving this game to be able to be played in the current climate, which um, for me, just as I said, living in a country town, it's just made the game so much more fun um, just because I can actually play it how they sort of want us to play it. So big props to Niantic for that. And um, they're seeing they're seeing the reward in obviously a huge spike in revenue, which is just absolutely crazy numbers. Like for one weekend for the one game. And really all they did is do a few uh, like tasks and events. You know, that, that, that would have taken time and like put a few Pokemon spawns here and whatever, move some stuff around. It's not, it's not a... A super easy thing to do but to to be generating this type of money is just absolutely nuts like this is the type of money you would expect from maybe like one of their i don't know um so like side games like like a mystery dungeon or something like at launch maybe maybe mystery dungeon wouldn't even have made this you know so just absolutely crazy numbers it probably made more than the um, Paper Mario um, Origami King launch. <laughs> probably did. To put it in perspective. Yeah. And that game sold pretty well. It sold twice the amount the previous Paper Mario games did as well. But, yeah, this is just uh, crazy numbers. So props to Niantic. They're doing well with what they're doing with Pokemon Go. So um, it's good to see that they're being rewarded for it. Yeah, but as the old Nintendo slogan goes, it, it, it prints money. <laughs> Just like the DS at the Game Boy Advance slot. Yeah, just like, oh, it prints money. Still one of like, my favorite gifts of uh, Awada and Miyamoto, yeah, just like grinning. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out of the DS. It's coming out of their mouth. I'm pretty sure it's just money's everywhere. Yeah. I wish my, I, like, I've got probably like five DSs. I wish they did print money, like for me. Not Nintendo, <laughs> but I wish they printed it for me. Yeah. And the fact that I own that many is probably, is literally why it printed money. Because people kept them buying them, even though a few were secondhand. But regardless, um, so Brendan, do you play Arms at all? Are you still playing Arms every day? Wake up in the morning, getting the Joy Cons off, just like <laughs> smacking around. Because if honestly, you- haven't touched up. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just going to say because if you haven't, um, you might now. Actually, you won't because it's only uh, in the Americas. But if you're in the in the Americas. There's a uh, Arms North American Open on August uh, 2020, and it will run from the 8th to the 9th. And uh, you can get some cool prizes. So Nintendo has announced that the next entry in Nintendo vs. Summer Series of events is almost here. The Arms North American Open August 2020 is going to run from the 8th to the 9th. And Nintendo says that the grand prizes include download codes for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Splatoon 2 and the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighters Pass Volume 2. So if you're keen to play some arms and win some game codes, go ahead. Very exciting. 
next up. This goes back to our, oh, just bridge quickly say, yeah, Drew, yeah, I think this go. brings us back to our previous point of Nintendo just not, not supporting online games and then magically, miraculously, oh, yeah, here's an ARMS event because, oh, we have that <laughs> character that just came out in Smash, so we better try to get a few extra dollars for people buying a three-year-old game. Okay, guys, let's go. Yeah, well, I think it's just showing what type of year they have. Like, they really don't have that much. Obviously, I think we've had um, three major games with Xenoblade, Definitive Edition, Paper Mario, and Animal Crossing, which is obviously the, the huge one, which is keeping them going. But, yeah, they're just like, all right, we don't have that much content, so let's try and leverage some of our content from 2017, 2018. Obviously, Smash Bros. is still going with the DLC pass and spirit events. Uh, Splatoon, they're sort of re- reviving the Splat Fest and with arms like, yeah, bugger it, let's try and get this going as well. So, yeah. I like Personally, I really like arms, so I, I, I quite like that they say they're doing tournaments and that. and Not that I would ever, like, sign up to do one. But it's it's just cool to see it in the news, I guess. Uh, so this Agreed. is this is this is a weird one. Um, this is also from my Nintendo news, and the title is Mega Man Live Action Movie. Big news is coming soon. So it's been quite a time since uh, since we've heard well anything about a live action Mega Man film. We reported back in late 2018 when it was announced that one was in the works. But now, thanks to directors Henry Joost and Rel uh, Schumann, uh, who recently spoke with IGN, we have an update and we can expect to get some news about it soon. Uh, Schumann also takes the time to share his love of the franchise. Uh, Quote, "Uh, we're super excited about it. I think we're going to have some big news about it very soon. I can't say all that much right now, but it's a project uh, very near and dear to our hearts and we're psyched, end quote. Um, So we're going to get some Mega Man movie news, which I completely forgot about when it was announced in 2018, but it'd be, it's like any video game movie. I'm very skeptical that this can be any good at all. Uh, would you be interested in going to the theaters to go and watch a Mega Man movie, or is this going to be something you're just like, oh yeah, it's just going to brush it over your shoulder? I'll only be interested if it's the 1980s box art Mega Man that appeared in, uh, I think it was Marvel vs. Capcom, <laughs> the sort of yes. middle-aged old Mega Man. If that's the Mega Man they're using for the live action, then yeah, I'll be there day one because that would be hilarious. That'd be so good. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love it because that was back in the. That was in the time too where Mega Man was just not getting any attention whatsoever. Even though fans were like, all right, can we have another Mega Man? So like, all right, you're going to have him in this fighting game, but we're going to troll the shit out of you and just give you this fat lumbering man Mega Man, which has since become like, you know, kind of a meme (laughs) in the way it's used. Precisely, and it's such a good meme. So, But honestly, I, I agree with you. Video game movies are generally nothing to get excited about nothing to really watch unless you hear that oh this one is actually good so yeah i'll be very cautious when it comes to this one and i honestly doubt that it'll even come out because video game movies seem to be announced sort of every year you get like three or five that are announced and you never hear about them ever again yeah yeah i'll be i'll be interested to see if we ever get the news i know they say like oh that news is coming but it's kind of like the uncharted movie on um sony's side where it's like are we ever going to get that movie? Who knows? Um, so next up is just a reminder that uh, Pokemon, P- 
Pokken Tournament DX is getting a free trial and it's available right now. So it'll be available um, from the 29th, which is, uh, I think this podcast comes out on the 30th, um, to the 11th. So you've got pretty much or the, the 11th of uh, August. So you've got a bit under two weeks to go and try it out. And uh, it's also 30% off. So it's down to 60 bucks Australian if you want to give it a go. And Pokken Tournament, like I got it on Wii U and it was one of those games I sort of wanted to get on Switch, but it was just so expensive. The base price was 90 bucks, and with the DLC, with the extra characters, like 130 Like it was just like ridiculously priced. So um, anyone like me who's like, oh, I wouldn't mind picking this up, probably the time is now. But it's still too expensive for me even with 30% off. So I'm not that worried. <laughs> but did you ever play Pokken Tournament? Yeah, so I had it on Wii U, and then I enjoyed it on Wii U, but really only played it local local multiplayer with friends and family. But when it came out on Switch, what I did was actually the Wii U version was still worth sort of $50 on eBay. So I sold my Wii U copy and just bought a Switch one for, I think I got it for about 69 or from JB Hi-Fi at the time or what have you. So I, I didn't spend actually that much on it. So... I've, I, I don't play it that much, but it is a game sort of I pull out occasionally, play if someone's over or play online if I can actually find someone online to play with. Yeah, I only played it for a couple of weeks because when I bought it, uh, a few weeks later, I actually went on a pretty big holiday um, for a couple of months. And while while I was away, I'm like, Bryce, you may as well borrow this. You can play it. And he only gave it back to me last year. <laughs> so I actually barely played yeah. the game. <laughs> so like obviously last year or this year, I haven't, booted up my Wii U for a long time. It's still hooked up, mind you. It's next to my Xbox One. But, yeah, I just uh, haven't booted it up. So maybe if I want to play this, I could just go, all right, I'm going to play the Wii U version. Don't worry about the extra characters and I'll just save money. I think that's the that's the way to go for that one. Um, so this one's from my Nintendo News and the title is Nintendo's annual report shows staff average age, annual salary, and more. So a few days ago, we got insight into... Um, got insight into how much some of the bosses at Nintendo have earned. But now, thanks to senior analyst Daniel Ahmed, uh, this year's average figures for such things like average employee age and numbers of employees at Nintendo have been revealed. Below, you can see 2020's figures and uh, figures and, uh, and beneath that, how check out how the numbers differ in the previous year. So in 2020, there are 2,395 employees compared to 2019 when there's 2,271 employees. Uh, The average age is uh, 39.2. And in 2019, the average age was 38.6. So they've uh, employed a couple of older people and they've bumped up the age a little bit at Nintendo. Um, The average length of employment is 13.9. And obviously, um, well, in, in, t- in 2019, the average length, length of employment was 13.5 years. And the average work day in 2020, oh, it doesn't say the average work, because oh, it hasn't finished yet, I guess. The average work day in 2019 was five point, oh, not five, um, seven hours and 45 minutes. And the um, average salary in 2020 is um, 86, 86 grand where the average salary in 2019 was um, 80 grand, I assume American. So, yeah, they're earning earning a little bit more, I guess. Got some more employees. 
average age has gone up a bit. Just a, it's, it's just like little bits of interesting information because we don't get that much information about sort of inside Nintendo. So it's just cool to get some little random figures. Definitely. It's a mystery company. So I guess us fans sort of, yeah. we die for any sort of scraps or morsels that appear, don't we? Yeah. Because like I, I said, uh, I think it was last episode or the episode before, I can't remember, but with like companies like um, like PlayStation Studios, we know like who's head of Sucker Punch, who's head of Naughty Dog. Um, we know like they're Western companies, so we know like a lot about how they make their games and they they appear in lots of interviews and podcasts and have discussions and all that. Whereas Nintendo, obviously there's a um, language barrier. They're in a completely different part of the world uh, covered by different media in Japan. So mm. we don't actually get a lot of this insight we might get from other Western companies. So even if we get like a couple of numbers like, oh, this is how many people work there. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so this is just a quick one. I've got a lot of news from my Nintendo News because they've got uh, good little write-ups. But this is just just a quick one because um, Case of Fire is partnering with the Pokemon company for another collection. In Case of Fire, they're basically um, case manufacturers for iPhones. I think they do some for Samsungs and other popular models, but it's mainly for iPhones. And when I, I think it was, yeah, it was late last year, they had a range out for the iPhone, was it was it 10 back then? Um, 10S or 10, oh, who cares? Last year's iPhone. And I, I was actually upgrading um, to the iPhone 11 Pro. So I had to wait for them to do a case for the new model. And I was really hoping that case was going to include the Pokemon range, but it didn't. It's sort of like as soon as the new phone launched, we ran out. It, like it ran out so I couldn't buy one so I've been like I was pretty disappointed but I missed out so now that they're actually doing a new collection that's good so the article reads uh, following a following a sold out series released last year Case of Fire and the Pokemon company have once again teamed up to deliver an original Pokemon collection channeling a nostalgic 90s theme which uh, pays homage to when the first Pokemon video games were released the collaboration introduces many new designs for a variety of lifestyle products designed by Caseify. Uh, the first drop of the uh, three-part series will debut on August 12th, 2020, shipping worldwide from caseify.com slash Pokemon. Um, so the article goes on, but I don't have to read the whole thing. But it, so the, I am uh, interested in getting a phone case, which with a, with a Pikachu and all that fun stuff on it. So... That's just a little bit of news that I was excited about. If you don't have an iPhone or you're not in the in the sort of bit for a phone case, it doesn't really matter. But um, do you rep, rep any like video game imagery on your phone case, or do you just have like a black phone case with like a really protective screen protector and stuff? Or yeah, I'm pretty boring and minimalistic. My phone case is just black. Though it does slide out and you can put your credit cards in the back. So <laughs> I will rep that feature for any phone cover. But uh, yeah. no, I'm generally pretty minimalistic. And I just want to wish you all the luck in actually securing one of these phone cases this time, Drew. Hopefully yeah. you get the one you want. I signed up for the email list. Like, I'm pretty serious about them. <laughs> I'm like, I want that buddy pickle. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I am like, you know, you know what it's like with Pokemon. Like, I don't really feel like it these days. But when, like, I'm at work or something and, like, people send me on my phone, like, a big Pikachu on the back. It's like, am I going to get bullied? Am I going to get harassed? It's like, no, I'm not. But I could, I could imagine like at school, that'd be something I think about. Oh, definitely. 
you would have thought, oh, is someone going to make a bad comment about this? Do I need to hide my phone in my jacket pocket and yeah. not not show it off? Because I remember- huddle in the corner near my locker and tap away a text. <laughs> yeah, I, at at school on my iPod, I had like the Pokemon theme. I think I had like the tenth anniversary soundtrack with like a few of the Pokemon um theme songs. And someone's like, "Oh, play some music." I'm like, "All right," and I put it on random. Then like, the Pokemon theme comes on. I just remember being like really embarrassed. People are like, "What the fuck is this? Why you got the Pokemon theme on there?" And I'm like. Oh, I don't know, but like, a, <laughs> like a, a it year was later, my mom. Yeah, my, my mom put it on there. My mom installed iTunes and put it on my iPod. But like a year later, like we, you know, you find out that everyone's just like, yeah, I like Pokemon. It's like, yeah, well, what the fuck was I so worried about? Um, so so this might be one you're interested in. So the analog pocket handheld is now due 2021 and it still looks amazing. So this is from books.net. So before we read the article, have you checked out the analog pocket? Yeah, I have. And it definitely is something I'm keeping an eye on, but I guess I'm sort of the type that likes to play retro games on original hardware. So when it comes to GBA, particularly, I've been looking at a, this this guy on the internet has done a consoleized version of a GBA that you can sort of has HDMI out and you put it hook it up to your TV and yep. hook up a Super Nintendo controller to that and play it on effectively original hardware on a TV. So it's solutions like that that I'm really keen on. But I also do like ones that sort of all in one. You can play all different console consoles or handheld consoles on the same device. I think. That's quite niche and interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll read the article from Books and then we'll jump into a bit more discussion. So late last year, Analog announced The Pocket, a modern handheld that will play any Game Boy cartridge you can find. It was due out this year, but, you know, due to the world, it's now set for release in 2021. They have announced, however, a pre-order date, August 4th at 1 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, there have been some changes to the system since it was originally announced. The start and select buttons have been moved. A USB-C charge port is now more uh, uh, receded for stability. Uh, the Pocket is a portable handheld console that plays Game Boy cartridges. Um, you can play other consoles with um, adapters sold separately. It's got a super high-resolution screen, backlit, a massive battery. It's super fancy way of playing your older Game Boy games. That includes Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Advance. Uh, the Analog Pocket isn't cheap with a price of $200 USD, and that is $278 um, Australian. And the dock comes in at $99 US, which is $138 U- uh, Australian. Uh, you can pre-order it here. Um, so let's we'll go through some of the... the f- well, we'll go through some of the features as well um, because, like, personally, this is something I've wanted for years. This is, like, kind of a product that's made for me. Even though it's pretty expensive, I'm super hyped and I'm definitely going to be up at 12.30 my time to try and pre-order one. So on their site, they say, Meet the Analog Pocket, a multi-video game uh, system portable handheld, a digital audio workstation with built a built-in synthesizer and sequencer, a tribute to portable gaming out-of-the-box uh, Pocket is compatible with t- uh, 2,780-plus Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance game cartridge, uh, cartridge library. Pocket works with cartridge adapters for other handheld systems too, like the Game Gear, Neo Geo, Color, Atari Linux, and more. Completely engineered in 2FPGAs. So the thing, it, it doesn't work on emulation. It has its 
um, it has like its own um, hardware to run the game. So there's no emulation. So there's going to be no skipping or anything. It's going to run exactly how it does on the original Game Boys. Uh, the Pocket is designed with a first-in-class 3.5 uh, PPI LCD uh, with a 1,600 times um, 1440 resolution. Pocket has 10 times the resolution of the original Game Boy. Yeah, we can hardly believe it either. Uh, Pro-level color accuracy, dynamic range, and lighting. Um, th this display is even made from Gorilla Glass. There has never been a display more advanced in a video game system. And just like the... The idea too of like you can hook it up to your computer and actually use it as a synthesizer. You know how like a lot of these uh, like music producers like hack into the Game Boy and use the sort of sound chip to do their own chip tunes? Well, this thing's actually made with its own program to be able, be able to do that with this. So it's going to be a pretty cool tool for musicians. Uh, it's got a sleep and wake feature. So you just hit the button and it goes to sleep like your phone would and you can um, suspend it when you, you like. There's an original display mode, so it looks like it does on the original Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color. Um, there's a the dock, so it's pretty much like the Switch. You can have it hooked up to your TV, dock it, and the your original Game Boy or Game Boy Advance cartridges can be played on the TV with an 8-bit DOE controller or any Bluetooth controller. Um, there's a link cable, which um, links these things up, so you can do multiplayer, and it, uh, it is compatible with original Game Boy um, advanced and Game Boy consoles, which is really cool. Um, it's got um, in, inbuilt sort of programming software, so you can make your own Game Boy games and play them on this thing. Um, it doesn't have you can't play ROMs, but uh, the files are basically like their own dot pocket, so they're like their own little files you can use to develop games. Um, so that's like the main gist of it. It's just like a really advanced way to play old Game Boy games in handheld and on your TV. So I'm super excited about this thing because I, 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 I know like um, Tam, we have these conversations where with the Switch, I get all my games digitally because, you know, I, I'm, I can't travel all the time, half an hour to go and get the game. I just download it at midnight, play it that day. It's just really convenient for me. And on Switch too, most of my games are digital, just like I don't have an option with like all the indie games and everything. So just having them all in one place, whether that is physical or digital, is just works better for me personally. And just like the Switch cartridges now, they're so small that I don't get the big kick out of, say, getting a disc or an old Game Boy Advance cartridge or whatever. But where where I really come down on collection is like Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, um, DS and 3DS. That's that, They're the systems I like to collect for, so... For ages, I've been asking for like someone to like come and just make a really premium Game Boy, and I just always wanted a way to play my Pokemon games on the TV. Um, it like there was a Game Boy Advance Virtual Console on Wii U. Pokemon games never come to that. They came to the 3DS, but that was still playing them on your 3DS. Um, didn't really want to do it ROM wise. You know, I don't find ROMs that intriguing, and uh, obviously Game Boy Advance games haven't come to the Switch yet, so. This is the way to play my original Pokemon Emerald, Pokemon Sapphire, Pokemon games, um, whatever have you on the TV. So, yeah, really excited. So I reckon I'm going to try and pre-order one. I'm going to get two docks, um, one for like my office, one for the main TV. Going to get the link cable. I'm going to go all out. I'm actually more excited. To be honest, this oh, is going to yeah. sound more ridiculous. This is going to sound so ridiculous, but I'm more excited about this little retro console, pre-ordering it, getting it next year, than like say like a PlayStation 5. <laughs> it, that sounds like really ridiculous but it's honestly how I feel because 
Um, they, these are like the game consoles I like, like I enjoy the most. So, well, we can safely say that this is the Nintendo podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I cannot you, wait for this. With your, yeah, man, with your enthusiasm, you've nearly sold me on one as well. I'm, I'm going to have to watch this pre-order now. I think. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, I can't um, wait to get one and actually start collecting um, cartridges properly because I've got like, I've got an original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, uh, Game Boy Pocket. Do I have a Game Boy Pocket? Yeah, it was a Game Boy Pocket. It wasn't a Game Boy Light. That was the uh, Japanese exclusive where it had, the, it actually had a backlight. I don't know why they didn't continue with the backlight after that model. But like, especially like a lot of the cartridges, they like, especially the Pokemon games, their batteries are buggered. So they're not that exciting to sort of like get. I've got like a copy of Pokemon Red and Blue but you can't play them. I got a copy of Pokemon Crystal, but can't play it. Uh, so whether I go back and like replace the batteries and all of that, I'm not quite sure on that. But just really looking forward to getting one. I was I was even thinking like, should I get like a a black and a white one? Because I'm like, oh, I'm not quite sure. But that that is getting a bit too ridiculous. They're like three hundred bucks each. So let's not let's not get too stupid here. But yeah, really look forward to this yeah. thing. It's it's a shame that it's May next year. It's like holy shit, that's a long time to wait. But uh, obviously, coronavirus shipping. Fair enough. I would make the same call. <laughs> <laughs> and man, you you say you're keen to start collecting uh, cartridges, but just wait until you look at the prices of those <laughs> things these days. You yeah. your, your eyes will go wide and. And especially with GBA cartridges, if you're mm. buying cartridge only, you always have to watch out for those fake yeah. cartridges, especially for popular games. It's a bit of a nightmare, but oh I guess it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, because uh, at Avcon a few years ago, I there was a there was a retro game shop there, and that's where I got like my Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color. I got a copy of Pokemon Red, Pokemon Silver. And on the back, it had the sticker, and it was like a, it had a seventy dollars sticker on the back. And Bryce was going through my games, just having a bit of a look. And he's like, seventy bucks? You pay fucking seventy bucks for Pokemon Red with like a no battery?" I'm like, "I actually didn't. I got I got a bit of a discount because I, I bought a few things, so he sort of did a bit of a discount. But I paid like at least probably like fifty five for a copy. Like that's not boxed or anything, obviously. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of money, but that that is that." They are the consoles I like to collect for. That's where I get the kick out of it. So I'm not I'm not all Mr. Digital over here. So anyone who's like, oh Drew, you know, you've got to go and get your oh, good. you got to go and get your Switch cartridges. Like, because that that's the thing. When I decided to go digital uh, digital with the Switch, it really did hurt. Like it was a big like, all right, I'm gonna commit to it. It wasn't just a thing where I'm like, all right, I don't care. I don't care. I never cared about cartridges because I do. I really do. I'm, I'm a collector just like a, like a lot of you guys listening. And it's just a part of Nintendo fandom in general. I think a lot of people just really enjoy actually having it and seeing it and all that. So it was a hard thing to let go, but um, I'm just going to relive it with some of the more retro games out there. So have I uh, convinced you to get one yet? <laughs> very tempted but unfortunately well you said it's eight you said august 4th right uh august yeah august 4th so it'll be like for us it'll be early august 5th i believe yeah well well unfortunately i'll be shelling out a lot of money on august 1 for the bligger nes so Ooh. my 
Nice. My disposable funds will be very limited. Yeah, fair enough. So that 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 was one of the things where I'm like, oh, that would be nice. That would be fun to build. Maybe even do like a Twitch stream, have a couple of cameras set up and like do that and build it. And it'll be this amazing display piece, um, that Lego set. But yeah, that that that's one item where I'm like, all right, put it to the side. Um, maybe it will go on sale for 20 bucks off in like five years. But it, yeah, I don't know. So, um, yeah. So when when this actually it actually comes out on the first of August, doesn't it? I completely I actually kind of forgot, but it's actually coming out so soon. Yeah, they've been doing that quite recently. Actually, Lego they sort of announce it. I, I've never really paid attention to their release schedule, but with COVID and not much else going on, I get the email updates. And there's been a few sets they sort of they will say, "Oh, it's coming out next month," and this is the date, and then it comes out, and you're like, "Oh." Well, it's out. Cool. Yeah. And oh, it's already sold out. Oh, that's great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to jump on it pretty quick. I reckon it's gonna be a pretty popular item. Um, and well, definitely because historically, historically, it, like three, four, five hundred dollar Lego sets never sort of sold out. You could always get it in your own time, own leisure pace. But with COVID, like. You go in the Lego shop today and the $1,500 Lego Millennium Falcon is sold out. And you're just thinking, really? who's wow. spending $1,500 on this? But Yeah. <laughs> People are just like stuck inside and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting the big Lego set. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, using my check for the last two weeks on this instead of emergency fund <laughs> in case, you know, this lasts for longer than we think. Um <laughs> Uh, I love it though. Um, but just just to finish up, in case you are in the US as well, so it's August third, um, eight eight a.m. PST. In case you're in the in the US, um, and if you're in another, and country, I, I assume, yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I, I assume that's on the analog website, or yeah, it's on the analog website. So I'll leave a I'll leave a link in the show notes as well as um, other information we're going to talk about on the show today, in case you want an easy link to it. Um, so I guess uh, moving on, this is an article from gamesindustry.biz. The title is Animal Crossing FIFA, uh, The Last of Us Top European Game Charts for this year so far. So Animal Crossing New Horizons, The Last of Us Part 2 and FIFA 20 were at the top of the charts in multiple European countries in the first half of this year. Uh, this is according to spe- special um, JFK survey covering physical unit sales across um, uh, 18 European countries and Brazil. And Brazil, just and Brazil as well. That's weird. Um, Animal Crossing and FIFA 20 were the top-selling uh, game at, for HI 2020 in seven countries apiece, with Animal Crossing topping charts in Austria, Belgium, France, Germany, Netherlands, Sweden, and the UK. And FIFA 20 as the top seller in Denmark, Italy, Norway, uh, po- Poland, Portugal, Russia, and Spain. Last of Us Part 2 top charts in the three countries, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Sweden. But it was also the second highest, highest seller in Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, and Italy. Additionally, Grand Theft Auto 5 was the top seller in Hungary for the first half of the year, and Minecraft was the top in Finland. Other games that have appeared in the top three include Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, number two in Austria and Sweden, NHL 20, number two in Czech Republic and Slovakia, and Forza Horizon 4, which was number three in Hungary. 
Additionally, the J, uh, J, JFK data also covered in Brazil, which The Last of Us Part 2 was a top seller. Um, eFootball Pro Evolution Soccer 2020 was number two and FIFA 20 was number three. So Animal Crossing on the Nintendo side still going very strong, even against stuff like Last of Us Part 2, um, Minecraft, Grand Theft Auto. Um, pr- pretty interesting, at least in the in Europe. And uh, just moving on to another... Oh, I'm- oh sorry. No, I was just going to say, it really shows that Animal Crossing was a global phenomenon and it, it really is amazing. Yeah. So we're going to just go over another couple of articles that go over sales and new uh, features for Animal Crossing in the new update. So just rolling on to my Nintendo news, the UK charts, Animal Crossing New Horizons climbs to number two and Paper Mario slips to number four. So the UK video game software charts um, are now available in games via games industry. Last week, Paper Mario, the Origami King for Nintendo Switch was number two, but this week's Mario's Adventure has slipped to number four. This means that Paper Mario, the Origami King is now the second fastest Paper Mario game behind Super Paper Mario on Wii in the United Kingdom. Interestingly, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons has uh, filled Paper Mario, the Origami King spot. It is now at number two this week. Here's the JFK top 10. So at number one is Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, number two is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three is F1 2020. Number four is uh, Paper Mario Origami King. Number five is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Number six is The Last of Us Part 2. Number seven is Minecraft on Nintendo Switch. Uh, number eight is Grand Theft Auto 5. Number nine is Forza Horizon. And number 10 is Ring Fit Adventure. So Animal Crossing, huge legs, absolutely doing wonders for Nintendo. And it's amazing what it's doing for people that are doing Animal Crossing content as well. A uh, friend of the show, Bobby, the Nintendo guru, he's pretty much changed his his uh, channel from Nintendo content to all Animal Crossing content, and like he like the numbers for the podcast are just spiked and everything. Like his he him and his um his colleagues as well are just doing so well because of just the hype and the interest in Animal Crossing, and it's not slowing down anytime soon, especially with the updates we're going to talk about, and even like Mario Kart Eight Deluxe at number five. Like holy shit, it's above the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Last of Us Part 2 just came out and it's on a um, a console with 110 install base and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is still mm-hmm. ch- chucking on it's a port of a game from 2014 which is amazing and, and not to mention not to mention there was all those headlines when Last of Us 2 came out saying it was the fastest selling PS4 game of all time fastest selling I think game of 2020 for the PS4 and all these other sort of titles and it's being outsold by evergreen nintendo games it's it's amazing yeah because i I think the the best-selling playstation exclusive at least on playstation 4 it's uncharted 4 and that's at about um, 16 million units sold and like animal crossing now um last time we knew it was at about 13 million units sold so now animal crossing has probably outsold every single playstation 4 exclusive game which is just crazy like the quality of um playstation studios has just been amazing throughout playstation 4 and obviously the massive install base but for the switch to come out um halfway through the ps4's life and just every single game seems to be just hitting with the audience that buy a switch like um even stuff like arms it sells a couple of million in the first year type of thing but then there's like obviously the big ones which is breath of the wild smash bros mario odyssey and even animal crossing has joined that which is just trucking on so much and 
whether that's because of um, this year's circumstances with everybody looking for stuff to do, a bit of escape, escapism, which I'm sure is the case. Um, it's just really great to see that this game is just getting so much love. Um, so just on that, we're going to go into some of the new updates to Animal Crossing. So Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons um, Wave 2 update is coming July 30th. So I guess the – what's the date? <laughs> so yeah the day this comes out no it's already tomorrow been, yeah yeah so it's already i think this is i think that's 30th as in the u.s so not sure but it's, it's probably oh, so we it's, it's probably out when you're listening to this well the next day because if you put this up on the 30th it will be the 29th in oh yeah we'll go with you yeah, it's probably out when you're listening to this. <laughs> so Animal Crossing's New Horizons for Nintendo Switch will receive a hefty update soon, bringing some more fu- summer fun to the incredibly popular title. Fireworks, save data backups, and dreams uh, will breathe some uh, more life into the title with festivities kicking off from the 30th of July. You can check out what's coming in the press release from Nintendo below. There's a video beneath that. I mean, you can't see the video. We're doing a podcast here. So there's um you can do your own sort of cu- uh, custom fireworks show, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, one of the biggest features I've seen is basically dreaming. So from the press release, it says you can now choose to take a nap in any bed place in your home. While dozing off, you may find find yourself in a strange realm where you're greeted by Luna. Uh, Luna offers visitors to um, other islands as a dream, and it will. And with her help, you can share your island as a dream with others too. She will grant those who share their island a dream address, which players can exchange and use to visit each other's island in a dream. In dreams, nothing is permanent because nothing you do is saved. So explore at your heart's content. And this is a feature a lot of people have been looking forward to on the 3DS Animal Crossing. You could do do street pass and uh, share your homes with one another. But now it seems like you can actually share your whole island. Which is which is awesome. Um, it's a feature I see a lot of people are really excited about when uh, this update came out. And I guess uh, one of the biggest talking points is we finally got the island backup and restoration service that we've been, um, I guess, Nintendo's been talking about since launch. So I read the press release of this, and this is what we'll talk about because this is kind of a bit of a head scratcher. It's one of like, as far as like online services go. Um, Nintendo's always just makes us sort of scratch our head going, what the hell are they doing? So the press release reads, uh, Nintendo Switch Online members can enable the new island service uh, backup service, which automatically uploads island and uses its saved data to an internet at certain times. If your Nintendo Switch system is lost or damaged, you may be able to recover your island paradise as long as you have enabled island backup. In the event of... Uh, in the event of loss or damage, contact Nintendo customer service about restoring the island and save data on your new or repaired Nintendo Switch system. After your island data and individual player data is restored, you can get back to building your island community. Additional details can be found at the customer service, blah, 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 blah. Um, the island backup feature is separate from save data cloud functionality offered from uh, for select Nintendo Switch games through Nintendo Switch Online, a function specific to Animal Crossing New Horizons to move users and save data to another system is planned for later this year. More details will be announced in the future. So, if you if if you like lose your Switch or whatever the case is, you actually have to contact Nintendo to restore your save data, which is just baffling. 
<laughs> they really don't want you to duplicate. Absolutely mind-boggling. <laughs> they really don't want you to duplicate your save data, even though um, hackers and cheaters have already ripped this game a new one as far as duplicating items and e- just everything you could think of. So them doing this really isn't saving much. It might, it, if, if you could like duplicate your save file, it might make things a bit easier for some people, but it's already happening. So just having it be a pain in the ass is just really annoying. Like, could you imagine on PlayStation 4, like, oh, oh, I've lost my Last of Us save data. All right, time to, time to ring Sony so I can download it. It's just, just no one else would do it except for Nintendo. They've just got these really weird ways. And when when you think back to like um, Metroid Other M, there was like a, a, a glitch in that that obviously couldn't be patched um, on the Wii. So what they did is they got you to save in their save data on an SD card and they actually manually edited your save data so you could progress in the game. And, you know, this is still kind of similar to what they're what's happening there. Obviously, you don't have to send anything in, but you still have to contact customer service and go, all right, I've lost my Switch. Can I please, can I please download my save? <laughs> for Animal Crossing. Uh, what do you think about all this? Well, it's, it's like with Skyward Sword. I think there was a glitch with... There was a game-breaking glitch with Skyward Sword and yeah, because it. they couldn't yeah. patch Nintendo Wii games, you had to go on the Wii shop and download some unique channel that you could then go into the channel and it would somehow do something to your save... Update your save file, I think, or update your game so it wouldn't be an issue. It was this really convoluted system that didn't make sense and i think this is really typical of nintendo they, they really want to i guess for a better lack of the term they really want to protect their walled garden of well this is how animal crossing is you shouldn't manipulate save data we we have to protect the save data even though that all these hackers and it's not really a hard thing to do if you really want to well people were time traveling and time skipping from day one so yeah like they, they're not going to play as Nintendo wants you to play. So I think they really need to give that up and just make it easier for people to play the game. But we, we all know that's not going to happen. It's like with Animal Crossing, people are just crying out for simple quality of life improvements that they just won't implement. Like like with your inventory, like with crafting multiple items, you, you have to keep on pressing the same button over and over again and... Mm. It's like the, the dream update is that you, you guys, spoke, well, you spoke about it, that update, the fake update video those fans put up. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what people want to see out of Animal Crossing. Yeah. And like when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, that'd be very nice if uh, you could just do the one click and you just craft like seven shovels. Like, why not? <laughs> you know, like a lot of other games do that. Like, if you go to a shop, you don't have to click buy, buy, buy for each item. So it's kind of like a similar thing. But. Buying seeds for flowers and bushes is the most frustrating <laughs> thing in Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah, because um, actually on the episode today of Blowing Cartridges, you actually mentioned that Animal Crossing never really grabbed you before, but now this one you sort of get it a lot more. So have you kept on playing it since launch or being just gone in and out of it? Or what's your sort of uh, relationship with this new game? So I played it for about, I played nearly every day for about two months. And then yeah. when I got into Xenoblade, I was, well, that was always on on my Switch. So I just mm-hmm. put it in sleep mode and went back to it. So yeah. stopped playing Animal Crossing. And I tried to go back to it after Xenoblade. And it was just, like, I'm pretty happy with how my island's looking. I didn't have any friends to visit at the time. So I sort of just switched it off and haven't gone back yet. But 
I think I'll check it out again due to this update, but I think it will really take a significant update for me to sort of go back to playing it every day. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I sort of fell out of it as well, not for any particular reason. I just sort of did. Um, mainly, I guess, you know, mainly just because like work picked up and there's a few weekends where I'm like, oh, I've got to get my turnip prices and I just like completely forgot each time. And like when I sort of fell out of it, I just sort of like got out of that rhythm of doing what I was doing. So I was basically yeah. going around every uh, third day, just harvesting all these all this fruit, doing certain bits of my island, like um, doing that type of thing. But I guess I also kind of lost motivation because of uh, social media. Social media, like you know, like I said, like with um, I follow Bobby Nintendo Guru and a fair few others, just like super hardcore um, Animal Crossing people. And just like some of the stuff they're doing, like, you know, they, they'll sit down and they might be out of work for a month or so. So they're just putting everything into this game and just making some amazing looking things. Um, Bobby on his YouTube channel, he put up a an island tour of basically he's going around and someone recreated Disneyland in Animal Crossing. And it's just amazing. Like just, just so intricate in every little area. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, I could never do this. And no, to be honest, with Animal Crossing, I prefer it to look more rural and sort of like forest-like. So I don't really want it to look like a big metropolis city or anything. But yeah, I'm like, oh man, I'd love to just have a nice park and all that. But that takes time and got uh, got Paper Mario and other things to do. It's like, I wish I could, you know, quit a job or something and like make make this a job. That'd be pretty cool. Get some Animal Crossing done. <laughs> Yeah, because like yeah, and, and and the viewership would skyrocket. So I think that that might be a legitimate uh, tactic, Drew. Yeah, we could just call this podcast the just, House of Animal Crossing. Yeah, it's called Animal Crossing something. Vince, oh, goes up like oh, the, a, a thousand downloads. The House of Nuke. Let's go. House of Nuke. <laughs> yeah, I support the House of Nuke. Oh dear, no, he's not. He's not coming into our house. He's a he's a he's a bad man. That Tom Nook. <laughs> yeah, he'll 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 sit. He'll sell your mic and all your gear and all your oh, furniture shit. Yeah. before you know it. He will too. He just no, he will just like give it to someone. Like, oh yeah, someone else moved in for like uh, five thousand bells. I was like, come on, man, what are you doing to me? So yeah, um, we'll move on to like the the last bit of news. This episode is being yeah, it's, it's going to be a lengthy one. So sorry about that if you're not in the mood for a lengthy podcast. But you did see how long it was before you clicked on it. So here we are. So. Brendan, there's been a, a ton of uh, Pokemon, or well, not Pokemon leaks, but just Nintendo leaks in general from um, hackers in the hackers community. Um, and some really interesting stuff has come out. Um, so I guess uh, just for a, a bit of a, a bit of background on it, just off the top of my head, I've, I've, looked, at, I've looked up a fair bit of stuff. I'm just going to have to say this off the top of my head. But basically in May, all the, uh, the system information for the Wii was leaked because of the the chip manufacturer um, through IQ, um, basically um, got leaked through that, and um, more information is slowly being released. And uh, the f- the first bit of information we got from that is that there was a Pokemon MMO supposedly on the plan in the plans on PC and Game Boy Advance. So this article I'm going to be reading from is from Nintendo Enthusiast, and the article reads. Um, the explosion of Nintendo source code leaks has yielded some strange NES prototypes. The existence of Lu- Luigi in Super Mario 64 and the alleged plans for a hybrid PC slash Game Boy Advance Pokemon MMO from IQ Limited. The Chinese, Chinese IQ was co-founded by Nintendo and uh, Wii Yen to localize Nintendo products for China. 
A presentation detailing plans for an online Pokemon project have apparently leaked online. The project would have uh, would have used f- uh, features from Pokemon Fire Red and Pokemon Leaf Green as a foundation. According to the presentation, the Pokemon MMO was aiming to release in July slash August 2005 with online and offline play all of all available via Game Boy Advance. February slash March 2006 would have brought an online ter- tournament mode where Game Boy Advance was used for controls, but a PC is used for, for the display screen. And July slash August 2006 would have brought similar functionality, but for capturing Pokemon in a new map. The game would have been playable offline with a maximum of only 36 Pokemon being able to be contained or obtained by players in that case. Strikingly, Player regional information and IP address would have been would have affected distribution of uh, Pokemon on the map, as well as affect in-game weather. The effects would uh, even were to extend to Pokemon hatching. Lower's example of the presentation with some additional details on IQ's alleged uh, proposed Pokemon MMO. However, there is no evidence to suggest that this project ever went beyond the planning phase. So they got like a few. Uh, I guess uh, slideshows to sort of just dot points of what this game was to include. So the project baseline was um, game story will be based on po- on Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green design. Uh, offline play was only available in Game Boy Advance with the most of the features in current Fire Red Leaf Green. Online play, trade, battle, chat, etc. via an online connection. Extend online tournament to PC screen based on uh, Colosseum mode. Online Pokemon capture and treasure hunt with PC screen and display for Game Boy Advance control. Uh, offline features were uh, map adventure with a story based on Fire Red Leaf Green. Uh, full map, full Pokemon will be released uh, on the first release, but the Pokemon distribution in map will be different. A trade and battle link uh, cable connection will be supported in offline mode. Uh, Offline features that are different to Fire Relief Green. Disable the um, hatch system in offline mode. Disable the wireless connection mode in the union room. Um, in offline mode, players can only access 36 Pokemon. Uh, new Chinese input method. Because back then, the, they didn't have the Chinese language in the Pokemon games. That only came around in, I think it was X and Y. Was it Sun and Moon? It was one of those games where they expanded the amount of languages in the uh, games. Online features were a region concept. A uh, new hatch system, enhanced Pokemon Center, online tournament mode with PC screen-based Colosseum mode, um, new maps for Pokemon capture in treasure hunt in online play with PC screen. And I'm going to go down to the bottom of the article. Uh, with these leaks, it's important, however, to remember that the developers and publish have so many plans that ultimately never materialize into a product. And we can't possibly imagine of how many extraordinary ideas like this had like this have been proposed and later tossed over the years. This PC Game Boy Advance Pokemon MMO concept may just be one of those that has actually come to light. So don't get any hard feelings over this particular project never coming to fruition. So Tam, I know you're a big, or we're a big Pokemon fan in the Game Boy Advance days. How cool would have this been having a Pokemon MMO, especially based off these games, which Fire Red Leaf Grand, they're all great remakes. They were the first remakes in the mainline Pokemon series. So it would have been pretty cool to get this type of thing. Um, since it was a project from IQ, it's probably just going to be a, ch- a Chinese thing. So we would have been very jealous as kids that they got an online version, especially in 2005. That would have blown my mind. But from just like the information I put out there, what do you what do you think of it? 
Well, I think in theory it would have been amazing, but well, in practice we we never trust Nintendo's netcode, do we? And the Pokemon or well, Game Freak's netcode have never been particularly good either. So it'd be interesting to have seen how it performed performance-wise. And on that comment you mentioned about only having 36 Pokemon offline, I wonder <laughs> what the reaction would have been like <laughs> yeah. that considering what yes. happened over Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah, I was thinking when I read that, I was thinking Imagine about Imagine if Pokemon Sword and Shield only had 36 Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, thirty. Yeah, Pokemon Sword and Shield. There's thirty six Pokemon, but if you connect online, you get the extra, like yeah, three hundred and so. It's like that would have been. I don't know. I, I would say that would have been pretty funny, but me at the time, I was pretty friggin' angry. <laughs> so I would have been in the same boat as everyone else. Be like, what the hell are you doing, Game Freak? <laughs> yeah. So it would have been really cool. And there was actually other Pokemon leaks, um, which don't make a whole lot of sense to go over in um, this particular podcast because it's all visual. It's all based on the sprites for the games. Um, so I think back in May, uh, we did get sprites for male and female variants of every single Pokemon. And while we, while um, Diamond and Pearl did introduce those, but um, originally they were planned to be much more different, each Pokemon. Like, like for example, Charizard just had like a completely different head. If it's a female, had like a big horn on its head um, as opposed to just like the two horns that it has at the moment. So that's the leak we got before. But um, the leak on the sprites now, we've actually got like completely different sprites for some of the Pokemon and completely different designs. Like for Yarmega, Yarmega looks a lot more fierce. There's uh, Vesper Queen, which looks like a lot more fierce as well. And there's some which are just like obviously just like rust jobs. Like there's Regigigas who looks like it was literally painted in um, Microsoft Paint. Like it's just like it looks really tacky as well as Arceus. Arceus looks nothing like it currently does now. It looks like a, a sad ghost pretty much. There's like no detail on it whatsoever. So it's really interesting going through that if you're interested in um, seeing some of the behind the scenes of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Um, these hackers have like really gotten in there and gotten some of the information for some of those games and um, I guess just before we go on as well, um, the way we definitely do not condone the way this information was gotten, but I guess regardless, you know, the information is out there now and it is interesting and it is now a part of Nintendo history. So um, it is important to sort of talk about it and acknowledge it for what it is, but definitely not a good way of um, initially getting it. It's kind of like, like we we're talking before, before we went live, like it's like, going into someone's house and stealing their diary and putting it online, like it's pretty rough. Nintendo would not be impressed right now with what's going on. Yes, because it's not just uh, it's not just art assets and I guess, it's not just art assets or pictures and slideshows. It's also, there's examples, I think, for Star Fox 2. There's sort of a deep, dives deep into the actual code of the games and you can see the developers' comments that they were sort of in-jokes they were making between the team and sort of, oh, F Pete, Pete's code is shit, don't trust it, and just like in-jokes like that that is purely personal material. But now it's out there after 20, 25 years in the public and it was never really intended to be anywhere else. Yeah, because just informa- just like code that they just, oh, this wasn't that good. Let's just, you know, put it to the side. Like that's all public now, stuff that... Um, they really didn't want people to see. But, yeah, touching on that, there's there's a ton of information uh, leaked about uh, Super Nintendo games. So this article is from Eurogamer, and it 
and it reads, it looks like uh, one of the biggest Nintendo leaks ever has uh, revealed prototypes for some of the company's classic games, including Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Kart, and Star Fox 2. The latest leak appears to relate to the emergence of old Nintendo data um, er earlier in 2020. Uh, video videos have hit YouTube showing early prototypes of uh, Super Mario Kart and Yoshi's Island all compiled from the leaked source. So first up is Yoshi's Island, a prototype with different UI graphics, placeholder music from Mario World um, and has a pre prefix of Super Mario Bros. Um, then there's a build of Super Mario Kart with no drifting. And Super Mario Kart, it's interesting because there's just like a really broken build of it and it's got completely different uh, music um, like title screen music, which is just completely, this is nothing like um, the theme that we've come to know and love. Like it's just completely different. I'll see if I can actually get a video of it and play it, but it's um, interesting nevertheless. Um, so the Star Fox uh, 2 stuff, I'll see if I can find it. Do you, do you know much of the Star Fox 2 stuff off by heart? I know there was a, there was a human um, in sort of like the sprite work, which is just really weird to see. There's like a, a woman with just like flowing black hair <laughs> just under uh, Fox McCloud, um, which obviously in Star Fox, I don't, we've never seen humans in that ga in those games, have we? No, it's always been purely anthropomorphic animal characters. So it was, and it's quite a detailed sprite. It's of this, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, a, a black woman with black flowing hair and it's quite detailed and it actually, actually in an odd way actually fits the style of all, well, I guess not odd because it was probably done by the same character designer, but it does fit the designs of like Fox and his friends. So it would have been very interesting if they sort of had a majority of animal cast, but also this sort of a minority character as a, well, a, a sort of humans as a minority in this universe. It would have been quite interesting. Yeah. I'm just, uh, Brennan, you won't be able to hear it, but I'm playing the, the title screen for the Mario Kart or Super Mario Kart that got leaked. And the listeners will be able to hear it. it just sounds like right. com completely different. <laughs> well, so that's uh, enough of that. But yeah, just like the the initial Super Mario Kart music, so like, like you know, it's just like you know, you get into it like, all right, this is this is a party game. We're gonna get all into it. But it sounds like something like from Star Road, where it's like, oh, this is. If you boot up the game of that title screen, you're like, oh, this is nice. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> this is a nice relaxing time. <laughs> you you almost fall asleep. Um, and there's there's a there's a a build of um Yoshi's Island, and it says here that there's a build called Super Donkey that includes a a character that observes to have pointed out uh, looks a bit like Stanley from the Bugman from Donkey Kong Three, and it's just like there's this really weird looking character with like big a big nose and glasses just going through um, beta stages of Yoshi's Island, which is just weird. <laughs> it just looks really strange. So I wonder why they sort of um, built like a completely different character for, um, I guess, testing this game as, as opposed to just using Yoshi. Yeah, I guess it's like there's, there's all. I think there's been a few different games where the test character model is completely different to the final character they choose with. I think. Yeah. I think Crash Bandicoot was well. Crash Bandicoot's the example. They they didn't know they were going to use a Bandicoot until sort of 
quite far into development when they actually fleshed out the character design. Oh, right. What did they? What were they using before that? Do you know? I can't remember, but I, I believe that I believe the the internal code name of Crash Bandicoot was like, was it like Sonic's ass or Sonic's butt? Because it was a sort of <laughs> the, you know the view of Crash Bandicoot. You know, the, yeah, it's a fixed camera looking behind the character. Yeah, yeah. So they they sort of built the idea of oh we're doing a we're doing a platformer where it's you're running forward into the screen, but I don't think they had it a firm character design in mind. All right. Yeah, I never knew that. <laughs> just call it Sonic's ass. I should have just kept that name. That would be a great name. It would have sold. I reckon it would have sold twice as much. <laughs> but it, that would have really set PlayStation up to be just like even bigger than it is now, I reckon, just like, yeah. Remember that game Sonic's ass? Oh, fuck, that was a good game. <laughs> so much nostalgia for Sonic's ass. Uh, and uh, I guess moving on to... Uh, Nintendo 64 stuff. So um, everybody, or most people would have seen that um, Luigi was found in the code for Super Mario 64. And while he wasn't playable in the code um, that they found, a lot of people have like gone in and recreated um, Luigi in Mario 64 with the same assets. So, and uh, Brandon, you brought up before we started recording too that Miyamoto did bring up that they did want to include Luigi in this game um, before launch, but um, obviously didn't make it into the full game. But the idea was there and there was a sort of a, a model template made up um, for Mario 64. And also there was um, some different looking enemies in there. So instead of the bullies, there was a, I don't even know what you would call it. This looks like kind of a bob-omb with like claw hands and like a little weird head. Um, weird looking enemy and there's there's a video here of Mario going and picking one up and uh, Bob on Battlefield so I don't know if like they're the replacement for like the pink bob in bob on Battlefield I'm not quite sure or if they're a replacement for like the, the the bullies in some of like the later lava levels I'm not quite sure what they are but regardless they're nothing because they'll take it out I guess but yeah and we're also given like <laughs> high-res high um, art for Mario 64, which looks really nice. It's actually pretty cool that we're getting some high-res art because I guess it was all in um, for magazines and everything back then. So we never really got any like high-res screens like we have here. So Yeah, and there's, there's high-res screens for a lot of 64 games like Mario, Super Mario 64, Wave Race, Lilac Wars, and it's, it's really nice art. So yeah. definitely worth looking at, I reckon. Yeah, because I just like love like the box art for Mario 64 with Mario with his arms out um, with the wing cap on flying around the castle. I think that's one of the most iconic um, images of Mario sort of out there, at least for me, because Mario 64 is is probably my favorite Mario game, probably. Depending on what day you ask me, it's one of those things. Like, is it Galaxy? Is it um, Mario World? I don't know. Um, I feel like it's 64 today. Maybe if you ask me tomorrow, it would be Mario World. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, it's yeah. just like... It's got um, different models of um, like the penguin. Um, as we know, you've got to take the baby back to get the power star. And there's actually um, a sort of like a, a layout of um, Hyrule Town, which is, I'm not sure if that's from Mario Kart 64, but I think Mario 64, there were sort of levels discovered that they were planning to do sort of a more of a, like a Zelda themed course in that, which would have been pretty cool and, it's only in Mario Kart 8 where we've actually got a, a Hyrule um, castle level in that. 
And apart from that, we've got some like really nice um, screens of Hyrule Castle, which look really, really awesome, especially for the time in um, early 2000s. Looks like something that would be running on the GameCube more than Nintendo 64, but just the layout of everything. And um, we've got some like unused dungeons from Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which is really cool. Um, got some stuff from Animal Crossing 64, uh, which is in English. So of it, that game never came to um, English. It was only released on... Was it just Nintendo 64 DD? Is that where the um, Amer uh, Japanese version came out on? Or was it just uh, normal Nintendo 64? Do you know off by heart? Um, yeah, I believe it was planned for Nintendo 64 DD, but like a lot of games, like Majora's Masks and the like, it became just a cartridge release in the, mm. in the end. And I think it was sort of quite a late 64 release sort of 2000 2001 yeah so yeah so they're obviously planning on maybe bringing that game out with a bit of english translation and they've got some um items from mario kart 64 and there's some items that we that weren't actually in the game so there's uh, what's what's here? So the feather was it? That's I'm actually a bit rusty on Mario Kart 64. The feather was only in Super Mario Kart on SNES. There's an item here as well, which is a 10 ton weight. Yeah. Uh, the mushrooms was it? Was it just the one mushroom and the three mushrooms, or was there different intervals? Because I'm because here it's got one mushroom. You can get two mushrooms. You can get three mushrooms. Uh, I, was it like that? I can't remember in Mario 64. It's been a long time. You could get one in three. I don't think you could get a double, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still not sure. So if if you can't get a double in that game, um, there initially was meant to be a double. And there's also like some like stones here too. I've got no idea what they do. And there's a there's a Yoshi egg as well, which I don't believe was in Mario 64. I can't remember that either. There was, no, there was no, no, there was no Yoshi egg, no. Then there's high-res screens of uh, Wave yeah, Race. Those... Yeah, go on, sorry. They aren't, but some of those stones kind of look like the stones from um, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, they could be. And I don't know, was there any of those? They're not from um, uh, Mario RPG, are they, by chance as well? Can't quite remember that. Oh, it's been a long time since I played some I of those have games. never played it, unfortunately. So Yeah, it's been a long time since I played it too. It's been a few years since I went and played it on <coughs> emulator. Um <laughs> So yeah, wave race, um, there's stuff for Star Fox 64, just different logos with like the 64 um, logo in different places. Stuff for F-Zero, there's like the Wii prototype pitches where it's like um, stuff hooked up to GameCube controllers. Um, Yoshi in Mario World looks absolutely frightening. <laughs> just just looks really like uh, lanky and like more like a dinosaur. Stuff for Bowser, like there's just tons of stuff. I, I'd really do uh, recommend going and checking it out. It's just interesting stuff. And e even when we release this, there might be more stuff. Stuff's just been trickled out as time goes on. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Um, I, I reckon my my favorite stuff would be the Pokemon stuff just because it's like, you know, we've wanted a Pokemon MMO for as long as the series has been happening. So the idea that at least um, the Chinese um, uh, IQ was actually thinking about it. So it's kind of cool. So... Maybe maybe we'll get one one day. Who knows? With how much money just all these different Pokemon games are making, I think an MMO would just be 
obvious just as far as like subscriptions, microtransactions, you know, all the stuff the Pokemon company loves. So it is kind of weird that they aren't doing it. Oh, they they got a they got to release their mobile games that only last a year or two. True, that, that that's their true money maker. Yeah, and I didn't actually bring it up, but um, Pokemon Unite has actually had a fair few uh, screenshots leak as well. So whether that means that media's got it and it's you know it's going to come into beta or release soon, um, that's something else as well. So that's something we've got to look out for this year. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of keen to check it out, but. A, not really that excited. Does that a Pokemon MOBA get you excited? <laughs> Not particularly. I, I've dabbled with League of Legends, but I think that's yeah. sort of the extent of my MOBA days. Yeah. Because like Bryce and a fair few of my mates are like, they were really into League of Legends. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'll give it a go. I made an account, um, went over to Bryce's place with a few other friends, opened up my laptop and I'm like clicking around and like they're like, oh yeah, um, Tell me, like they're telling me how to play and all that. I'm just like clicking around. I'm like, oh, and like we won and we lost and whatever. I, I'm just like, got no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, all right, I think I've had enough. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> uh, makes me feel like a, a noob. I guess because I was. That is the actual uh, description <laughs> of a noob. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to come to the realization that you might game for 10, 20 years, but there's still some genres and still some game types that you have no clue how to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why that's why I actually quite like Game Pass on Xbox because like seeing stuff like Age of Empires, like I, I never really played like super PC-centric games necessarily. Um, when I had a PC, I was playing like, I played like the Simpsons Hit and Run and just like stuff you could play on GameCube. Um, so when I had Game Pass, I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to buy, I'm going to just download it because you can. So I gave it a go and actually quite enjoyed it. So um, yeah, it's good for sort of, opening your horizons a bit, expanding your horizons, let's say, because you don't have to spend money. Yeah. So I guess uh, that's the end of the news. It's, a, it's, been a, it's been a long show, but would you like to jump into Reggie's rec room for a bit before you leave or do you have to um, go to bed or something? Oh, I've come all this way, Drew. I think I need to experience Reggie's rec room at least once. All right, so let's, let's step in the Reggie's rec room. He's a, he's a nice man. It's a very nice one. Hi, Nintendo fans. Hello. Reggie here. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. All right, Brendan. Welcome to Reggie's Rec Room. Uh, what do you think of the place? Like, Reggie, he's been quite busy over quarantine. He's just, you know, he's been drinking a bit. He, he really enjoys the furfies, but... Apart from that, he's keeping the place pretty clean. What do you what do you reckon of the place? Yeah, it's it's really cozy. I, I love the paint job behind the bar. And, oh uh, yeah, it's awesome. I must yeah. say, it's a it's a total honor to finally meet Reggie. It's it's really good. Yeah, I mean, he's really quiet. Like you know, he, he says the initial message, then he just goes straight back to listening to his iPod Touch. Like he he really loves that thing. I don't know why he's um. Yeah, but he, he's good. Yes, what do you what do you think what do you think of uh, um, Reggie's iPod Touch? I like it. he puts all his music onto his iPod. I don't understand why he doesn't just put it onto his phone. It's just uh, it's a bit backwards that way, but it is what it is, I guess. All right, if it works for you, it works for you. And he's doing a very good job cleaning those glasses, so I think yeah. we we should give him give him respect for that. Absolutely. 
So, before the show, I never actually thought of a topic to talk about, so I guess we have to sort of brainstorm something on the spot. And we're talking, I guess, uh, with what you're talking about in episode two, just uh, sort of your gaming journey. We, we touched on it sort of at the start when you introduced yourself, but um, what's one of the consoles that introduced you and really, really motivated you to become a gamer and sort of make it into your uh, hobby that you still enjoy today? I'm, I'm going to have to say it's the Nintendo GameCube because I just... I lost so many hours in afternoons after school, growing up, friends over, going to friends' places and just playing all those great multiplayer Nintendo GameCube games like, well, Double Dash, Melee, Kirby's Air Ride, the Mario Party games, even other games like the 007 Agent Under Fire, Nightfire multiplayer games. It was I know everyone generally goes back to the 64 saying that was sort of the pinnacle of couch four-player local multiplayer, but Mm. I really think the GameCube had some fantastic games that really pushed what you could do with four players, and I didn't have it growing up. I got it later in life, but even games like Pac-Man versus and, well, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and uh, Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures really pushed that multiplayer aspect, and I think, as I always talk about, I think an important part of gaming for me is that social aspect. And I think that really illuminated that you play games, not to just, I guess, to achieve something, completing that game on your own time, but it's something you can share with other people, share with your friends. Yeah, for sure. And when you, when you talk about the GameCube, it's it's always such a, a soft point in like my gaming because I really wanted a GameCube. I, I, I got brought up on the Game Boy Advance and... Obviously, with the GameCube, just alongside it with Pokemon and Mario and Zelda and the games I was interested to play, I really wanted one. And the more I think about it when I was growing up, like even the last few years, it actually hurts more now because I've told this story before, but I wanted the GameCube for Christmas. Mum went to uh, Game Traders and said, Oi, a person who works at this store, tell me about the Nintendo GameCube. My son wants one. And he, he must have said, Oi, no, don't get a GameCube. They suck. Get a PlayStation 2. So mum comes back to me and says, hey, um, the guy at the store said, you know, GameCubes aren't very good. So um, do you you want a PlayStation? I'm like, oh, no, I'm all right. All my friends have one, so I just go there, play some play Grand Theft Auto, and I'm not that interested in getting one myself necessarily. And I I think back to it. So First of all, I think, why didn't I say, no, 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 mum, 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 I don't want a GameCube. Adam's got a GameCube. Jordan's got a GameCube. Not a GameCube, a PlayStation. And like, I, I want to play Pokemon. I want to play Mario. That's what I want to play. They're only on that. So I'd like a GameCube. Thank you very much. And she might have said, oh, well, fantastic. That's fair enough. I'll go and get a GameCube. But I sort of just rolled over and said, oh, no, it's all right. I don't, I don't want, I don't want either. It's all right. <laughs> and just like, could you, could you imagine going to a shop now and the guy's like, hey, this console that, this like the kid wants that shit don't get that it's like someone going to a shop saying hey i want to get an xbox for my uh my son he wants to play halo 5 and the guy just goes oh don't get an xbox get a playstation they're much better but playstation doesn't play halo or the games that he wants to play so it's like yeah just thinking about that like i could have had a gamecube with like a decent little collection and it's just like it makes me go oh damn it i hate that guy i'm going to track him down and i'm going to wave my finger in his nose and go oi because of you, 
I didn't get my own copy of Mario Sunshine. I had to get a secondhand copy 15 years later, and that's devastating. <laughs> yeah. oh, it, it, it reminds me of those uh, of those salespeople working at your EB games and the like that I always felt sorry for uh, around the Wii U era when a mum would come in and say, oh, yeah, I, I want to get a, the new Wii for my uh, little boy Jimmy, and the guy's like, uh, do you want a Wii or a Wii U? Uh, I don't think you want either in twi- it's 2015 I don't think you want either but like <laughs> here are your options yeah and I remember what I remember them having to explain to this father sort of like five different ways that no you can't play Wii U games on a Wii yeah and this is why it's like why not because I don't know the different systems but you could see someone in uh like in 2014 where it's like all right should I get a PlayStation 4 or should I get a Wii U and as a as someone who's making like an actual recommendation of what you think the kid might enjoy or the young adult or whoever they're buying it for, it would be hard to recommend a Wii U over a PlayStation 4 because the PlayStation 4, obviously a lot better life cycle, a lot better, a lot more games just from third party. They supported it really well with um, their first party studios. But um, if like like in my situation, if that, that person wanted to play Mario or... Um, the remake of uh, uh, Wind Waker or Smash Bros or Mario Kart. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter how weird that hardware is or how poorly put together some of the components were, you know, because you want to play Mario Kart. So that's the only place you're going to play it. As good as the PlayStation 4 is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just a hard spot for me. Whenever anyone brings up the GameCube, like, oh, yeah, like for like Jamie, he's a he's a big fan of Metroid Prime and he's always talking about it. Like, oh, it's like, it, it, as, as easy as just go back to that, I'm always like, you know, playing through Paper Mario and then the next thing will come out and then I've got to play Animal Crossing and I'm playing some indie stuff on my Switch. I never have like the, enough motivation and just time to put aside to go, all right, I've got to smash out the GameCube games. And maybe that's just something I've got to sort of work over the next year or so just to get back to each game when I can um, and get through some of them. Because there, there were some fantastic titles on the GameCube, like, it's kind of similar to the Wii where the library was limited, especially as each game is coming out and when you're actually amongst it. But when you look back on it, it's like there's a nice handful of games where it's like, you know, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, Mario Sunshine, uh, Smash Bros. Melee, the the Metroid, uh, the two uh, Metroid Prime games. Like there's there's plenty there to be like, right, this was a, a good library for a good system. Even, even though when we did episode 150, I said that... GameCube probably be the one I'll get rid of, but you know it's a it's a it's a hard ask with the Nintendo platforms because I like I like you know all of them even even the Wii U I put a lot of shit on the Wii U because but you know when you love something you've got to you've got to put shit on them when they when they fuck up. Well, exactly. You you have to you have to recognize the flaws. It's like we can we can all recognize that the Switch as successful as it is. There's still Still, some poor design decisions and mistakes they made with the Switch. That's yeah. by no means a perfect console. You just have to look at the Joy-Con drift and all those issues. So yeah. there's never going to be perfection. And I 100% agree with you. Each Nintendo platform has a strong game library. Like maybe some will have a larger, strong game library than others. But even the Wii U, I can think of five games off the top of my head that are sort of must plays. Your or 3D World. Splatoon, um, or like Super Super Mario Maker, really unique 
really unique experiences that took advantage of the system and you couldn't have had it otherwise. Yeah. How do you feel about them sort of bringing um, all the ports to switch and making going back to Wii U sort of almost redundant? Like there's still a few games. There's Pikmin 3. There's uh, what else is that? There's Mario 3D World, which will be coming to switch eventually. So you can just mark that one off now, I guess. But there's like there's actually like very limited amount of titles on Wii U left to actually say, all right, I'm going to leave my Wii U hooked up because you're not leaving it hooked up for Miiverse anymore. That's gone. Like you can't you can't go in there and see what the the twelve year olds are discovering in uh, Super Metroid when like you can't crawl for example and they're just like baffled <laughs> why Metroid can't crawl. Uh, yeah, I I guess you're you're going back for those multiplayer experiences and those experiences that can only be played on the Wii U. Like yeah. Nintendo Land was amazing. Mark even Mario Party Ten had some fun moments in the asynchronous multiplayer where one player is Bowser. Um, well, there's games like I'd argue Mario Maker is better on the Wii U because of the gamepad. And then you have mm. games like Xenoblade Chronicles X that still haven't been brought over and might not. So yeah. I guess there's there's less of a reason to go back. But like I said on episode 150, it's similar to how many reasons are there for me to go buy an original Super Nintendo and then start collecting cartridges for it when I can get a Super Nintendo Mini, I can go on a virtual console on Wii U, I can go on Nintendo Online and play Super Nintendo games, like, where's, and play most of the major ones. There's not really any reason for me to go back to original hardware Super Nintendo. But does that mean it's a bad console? Not not really. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. I guess, like, if you can get, like, the actual, like, Super Nintendo controller to work on, uh, like, that platform as well, like the Switch, you can play, like, a lot of the major Super Nintendo games, you can actually order the wireless um, Super Nintendo controller from Nintendo. And I've actually got an 8-bit Doe one, which is pretty much exactly the same. So you can actually play with those controls and the nice big D-pad as well. So um, going back to... But like as, as yourself, you're a collector. So you should be the one which is like, oh, yes, I've got to get every every manual, every box, have it on my shelf and just look at it and go, very nice, then move on with your life. <laughs> Yep, that, that, that's why I avoid buying an original uh, Super Nintendo because I know uh, I would fall into that trap of, well, every game I buy has to ideally at least have a box, hopefully the manual as well, and mm, I go from there. Yeah, so that's a hard it's, thing. It's, it's a nightmare. Yeah, because I remember my um my copy of Pokemon Sapphire. I've still got the box. That was the first, um, it was the first like major game I got apart from like um stuff on PC. But I like I kept the box, the instruction manual. I, I like preserved that thing in like my cupboard beside my bed. Like I made sure it didn't get squashed, it didn't get creased or anything. I really looked after it. I was talking to another friend who got their Game Boy Advance at Christmas as well with a copy of Pokemon Sapphire. We were talking, and he said, "But he chucked out his box." I'm like, and I was mm-hmm. just like, "Oh, how, how can you do that?" He's like, "Oh, I don't give a shit. It's just the box. I got the game." But like, it was just so baffling to me. So it's always been in my DNA to sort of like preserve. Um, the boxes and the everything about the game, um, <laughs> so it's it's, it's always um, yeah. been in me. Yeah, my my mum has been the visionary from from the start when it came to Lego video games. She was always like, "Oh no, you need to keep the boxes. Like you, you need to keep the boxes. Sort of just this irrational sort of yeah. One day you, it might be sort of of some value. So now my brother and I can go back and 
nearly every 64 game we have still has the manual and box, yeah. the G- Game Boy, GBA, still have all these complete games that are worth quite a bit now. So yeah. it's, it's just, I guess, but then I know people as well that just chucked out manuals, chucked out, oh, a Game Boy Advance a box. That's cardboard. You recycle cardboard, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Off it goes. Ooh, that's sad. Because I was a kid, I got I was subscribed to uh, this magazine. So it was a Rugrats magazine. It's called Rugrats Around the World, and every week it would be based on a different country. So it was like a, it was just a kids magazine with stickers and there was a coloring in bit in the middle. And I, I was I was so like caught up in just keeping it as pristine as possible. I put it in the folder. I never used the stickers. I never colored in the coloring in sheet. I just kept it pristine. And my mum was like, Drew. If you don't use the stickers, I'm not subscribing to this magazine anymore because you're just wasting it. So I'm like, all right. So begrudgingly, I took off the stickers. I put them where they needed to go type of thing. And I never did I, I never did the coloring in, but I just like, you know, that's 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 the type of kid I was. I was just like, I've got to keep it pristine. got to keep my boxes in the, in the cupboard so I don't get flattened. And um, I just, yeah, it make, it's hard to think about um, other kids my age when they're just like, oh, just flatten the box, chuck it out, fuck it, who gives a shit? And I'm happy I've still got all my like all my boxes. It's really it's really cool, especially like you can go out and rebuy them, I guess. But actually having the one you had as a kid on the display piece is really neat. Well, exactly. And for me, there's something about box art that is part of the experience of playing a game because yeah. for a lot of the games I bought when I was growing up, I can remember going down to the ED Games or the Games Wizard was a shop in my local town or. Games whatever Wizard. game shop I went to, <laughs> yeah. you get the game, Games Wizards was this small sort of, it was a chain at one point. I think they were mainly Victoria and New South Wales, but there was a few of them around. Mm. But anyway, I just remembered yeah. going in and going in and sort of getting the game, like seeing it on the shelf and picking it off and decide, looking at the back and, oh, this is a game I want to get this time. I'm able to buy a game. Let's, let's try it out. And so being able to pick out a game of, out of my collection and look at the box art and remember that moment is quite powerful for me. Yeah, absolutely. I remember going into a, a local video game shop and um, at this stage, I pretty much had just been playing Pokemon. I think I had a Digimon game, which is, you know, it's just like I was obsessed with Digimon, Pokemon, like those um, types of monster games. And I remember thinking to myself, I, all right, I've got a Nintendo platform, which was the Game Boy Advance. I need to play a Mario game. So I went into the shop and there was a copy of Mario World and it was $80. And this was eighty dollars back in two thousand and four, or say like that's a lot of money. Like for a kid, this is like yeah. my allowance for like a very long time. So I, I spent eighty bucks on Mario World, and like games like that when you like you spend a lot of money as a kid, but they were hundred percent worth it. Like Mario World is worth eighty bucks, especially back when it was only like you know a few years old type of thing. And like that that's that was my first Mario game. Really enjoyed it. Uh, absolutely loved it. And thinking about it. So I guess that's sort of where my, my where my passion of like collecting um, the handheld games comes from, just like Game Boy Advance, Game Boy, and all that. So, like I said before, that's that, they're the platforms I like to collect for. But do you have any particular platforms you prefer you like really enjoy collecting for, whether it's like the consoles or maybe one of the handhelds? I guess over time my collection habits have changed. So, at one point I was collecting a lot of games. At one point, sort of towards the end of the Wii U life, towards the end of the 3DS lifespan, I thought, oh, this is the time to collect games for this console because after this period, they're going to sort of start rising in price. So 
I started collecting the games. I thought, oh, one day I want to try this game. So I have about nearly 50, 60 3DS games, quite a lot of Wii U games, a lot of games I haven't even touched, but they're there when I want to get to them. But I guess when it comes to collecting older games, it's very much, I actually I actually have an Excel spreadsheet that has every game I own. And one of the tabs in that spreadsheet is sort of a wish list. And I sort of note down games that I want to get at some point and, Sort of I have eBay searches saved and I'll sort of always be on the lookout for a certain group of games and I'll try to get the ones I want to try or the ones I want to add to my collection because otherwise I just find it all it's far too expensive and difficult to sort of yep. go the whole <laughs> way of oh, I want to get I want to get every game for, that was released for this console. Like I picked up a Sega Saturn in 2013 and I never played <laughs> Sega Saturn before. Never saw one when I was growing up. It was just I had an interest in Panzer Dragoon because I love Star Fox and also yeah. Shmup's vertical scrolling shooters and that's the console for them. And 2013 was actually a good point to start buying Saturn games. They were still relatively cheap. So I was getting games sort of from Hungary, from Europe for like really reasonable prices. Oh, sweet, yeah. And it was all and sort of like my, my parents were sort of getting worried about like why every week are there's these strange packages coming from all across the world, Brendan, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, but sort of now that sort of a lot of after 2013, as you know yourself, a lot of YouTube sort of had a boom in video game related channels and sort of yeah. more retro based channels of, oh, these are the hidden gems for the Nintendo GameCube, Sega Saturn, PlayStation 1. Now a lot of those games have sort of quadrupled, like tripled in price and it's a lot more inhibitive to buy games that you might like you just want to try. So I find that you just have, you have to be very selective in, oh, this is a game I really want. Otherwise, if you're casting out the net really wide, you're going to quickly be overwhelmed by, oh, this is a good deal for this game. It's an obscure game I've never heard of, but <laughs> I might as well buy it and see what it's like. I, I don't do that as much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You got to like, yeah, be a bit more, I guess, I guess responsible with your money. I, I try to keep that in mind. Like sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, I don't need the Lego, but I definitely need the, the recreation of the, the premium Game Boy. Definitely need that in my life. <laughs> so we, we all have different <laughs> – we definitely have poisons in our, in our life, which uh, we can't oh, you, go without. Yeah. You, you have literally, you've literally convinced me to buy that Game Boy. I think I'm actually going to do it now, Drew. So my bank account blames you, mate. I'm so sorry. Well, maybe you'll have maybe you'll have to like sell your switch or something, you know. <laughs> Imagine if I sold my switch and my entire collection to get. Oh, I need to get this retro Game Boy and like five games. Yeah, be awesome. Yeah, so I, I I don't think you actually I don't think you actually answered the question. I did I did enjoy the tangent you went on, but is there a platform you do prefer to collect for, or do you say just like you just sort of like dabbling in little bits? Yeah, I think it's it's sort of dabbling in little bits. Yeah. And though I, I think part of me does, um, I have a thing for the Nintendo 64 because, mm. well, that was a console I um, grew up watching my brother play and collect for, or not collect for, get games for. Yeah, I, I never did because, well, my first console was the GameCube, but there's just something about the packaging for 64 games. I like, yeah, I guess yeah. I, I'm the total collector of wanting something like sealed, well, not sealed, but sort of in box, the box in a relatively good condition with the manual and the tray. And there's just 
there's something with that configuration that's quite satisfying, I find. Yeah. Even like, just, it's flimsy as hell. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, because the box is like, yeah. I've got a few Nintendo 64 boxes and they're just like, all right, very careful with them. And like in a few, like, I don't know how many years it will be, like 20 years, 30 years, they're just going to be like dust <laughs> trying to keep them on your shelf. But even just like loose cartridges, I find them fun, just even lining them up on the shelf. I think they look quite good too, even... Obviously, you've got the few uh, cartridges of different colours, whether it's like the Ocarina of Time gold cartridge or even Game Boy Advance and the Pokemon games with the different colours. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool too. Unlike, you know, the, with, with like Switch games and even PlayStation 4 games and that, it's kind of like, it's kind of lost its its appeal as far as like getting the physical copy just because there's no instruction book and, you know, it's just not as um, premium a package as it used to be, but yeah. No, but there's there's definitely a thrill of collecting. And uh, in the Heroes of Play Another Castle Discord chat, there's a guy called Freak who used to yeah. post on Another Castle and he's he's going for the full Nintendo 64 oh. power collection and oh, he's shit. he's about five games off now. Really? Wow. Yeah, like, he's near the end. Yeah. Like he's been doing it over the last sort of, well, nearly since he's been posting on Another Castle. So it's probably six, seven years. And... Just watching in the dis- like in the Discord chat, he'll always post his new acquisitions, and it, it's just been a fantastic journey watching him go over the last sort of four or five years. Sort of every week, every week or two, getting a new game and saying, "Oh, this is what I got. Like this is how much I paid." And then also, like the last few days, he's been talking about he sort of stumbled across this sort of community of fellow collectors, and they'll sort of yeah. <laughs> be, they have like a network of like, oh. I need to find this Super Nintendo game. Like, oh, I know this guy in like this country that collects Super Nintendo games. He might have a copy or know where to get one. And it's sort of this underground sort of secret network of collectors, and it's it's quite fascinating. Yeah, because I've found like a fair few um, YouTube channels where it's like Metal Jesus Rocks and stuff. Where I'm just like fascinated. Whether it's like stuff I like know and care about, like you know Nintendo stuff, or it goes into detail about. Sega stuff and old like PC engine games and that's just all all fascinating. Just really enjoy it. And now that you say that, I actually remember him posting in uh, Aussie Nintendo back in the day. I remember like going to that thread and actually like looking through the pictures and just enjoying what seeing what people pick up. It's just it's real fun. I reckon it's a real fun aspect of gaming. Just um, seeing what you can pick up from random sales and see if you get different prices and that. And I remember I, I, I got a, a Super Nintendo from a second-hand place. How, I forgot how much it was. It was like 60 bucks, and it was like one of the special editions in a box. Everything had two controllers, Had came with a, a couple of games that were just loose. It was, what was it? It was one of the – I think it was Donkey Kong Country 2, uh, Lion King um, – I forgot the name of the other one. I can picture it, but I can't remember the name of it. And I posted it on another, um, not another castle, but um, um, Aussie Nintendo back in the day. And I remember, I remember Gook especially. He was like, wow, holy shit. How did you get this? This is like $300 worth of value. And I got it for like $60, $70. And I, that, that made me feel real good. I'm like, yeah. Because when I saw it, I'm like, holy shit, this is a Super Nintendo in box. And it, was, it wasn't even that expensive. So... I just went back straight away and bought it. That was when I was at school. I think I went yeah. when I got it at lunchtime or something. <laughs> just went for a walk and got it. I actually remember. I remember you posting about that. Actually, I did. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's a blast from the past. Yeah. 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 I miss. I I really do like miss that forum. I I absolutely loved going on Aussie Nintendo back in the day and um, posting. And it, it it was funny because 
when I first joined, I would have been real young. How? Because actually, how, how, are you roughly my age or are you a bit older? Because I'm 26. How how old are you? 25, so roughly the same. All right. So oh, so you're younger than me, right? Um, yeah, because I, I remember like going on there, and I guess like my English and grammar and all of that was just like not that great. I was young and naive. That was the first forum I'd ever been on and everybody thought I was a troll. <laughs> and I, I, I remember like people like suspecting that and I'm just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not. And people didn't believe me until, until I like I hung around for like a, another few months and thought, oh, no, this guy's legit. He's just young and a bit naive. And eventually I grew and I, I become a bit of a, bit of a familiar face in the community. And yeah, I, I, I that was the first forum that I really got engaged with and, enjoyed um because i actually used Oz nintendo for news before i actually joined it i actually went there every day and like checked the news and everything which is pretty cool yeah what, yeah what, what, i did the same as well sort of yeah. I, I eased my way in yeah what are yeah what are some of your memories from like early Oz nintendo because i guess for people that don't know what Oz nintendo is it was just a um an online nintendo community here in australia with a forum and like a, a news blog type of thing and i i remember um <laughs> people like vooks and aussie nintendo sort of had like a little rivalry going on i don't know i don't know how intense that was or whether it was just pretend or whatever i didn't really get into it i didn't even know much about vooks until aussie nintendo sort of disappeared and obviously now vooks is quite big with nintendo coverage in australia so yeah thinking back on that it's actually pretty funny as well Yeah, because I, I just remember the the personalities, the the competitions. It was just a really great sense of community in that forum. And it was just a really, I guess, friendly and fun. Like, of course, it was drama and different things going on. Like, yeah. There always is going to be when there's a community of people. But it was just a really good community to be a part of. And there's a lot of in-jokes that you could quickly pick up on. And it was just a, it was a fun place to sort of go on every afternoon or how often you went on and just saw what people were going, talking about and um, participating in because I, I didn't join until sort of, I think, 2010. Yeah, it would have been about 2010. Mm, I was so roughly towards, the same, I think. Towards the end. Yeah. I remember waking up early to check out E3 coverage for uh, 2011 when uh, Kid Icarus and the 3DS and all that were. Yeah. No, that, that, no, that was 2010. That was that year. Um, when like Kid Icarus and the yeah. 3DS and all that was shown off and I woke up to check all that out on Aussie Nintendo and uh, yeah, just really great memories for that side. I, I really, um, it's a shame that like for me, what killed it for me was just like Facebook and like social media. It was just so much easier to talk to people. You got notifications when you got like replies and it just instantly pops up and the forums just technically couldn't stand up to that. You had to like refresh it and there's a bit more to leave a post in that. I think that's what ultimately sort of killed it. And it's a it's good that the community yeah. is still in the di- like in the Discord and all that. I need to I need to go in there more often and catch up with everyone because it was it is like a great little community. Yeah, there's a good group of sort of about ten to fifteen people that will be in there sort of every day, and yeah, you get some people that drop in and out sort of a bit more infrequently. But there's a lot of your good old regulars in there. Yeah, because that's that, that's under your um um moniker, the uh, uh, heroes of play, isn't it? The Discord. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of heroes of it's. I think it's another castle and heroes of play is the title of oh, okay. the yep. Discord channel these days. It's sort of the amalgamation of the two. 
yeah. since Heroes of Play didn't have a forum or doesn't have a forum, it's it's yeah. still technically going. Yeah, it's just it's, it's all the same people, all the same community, so <laughs> lump them in together. Yeah. Well, precisely. Yeah. All right, well, Tam, I better not keep you too much more. We're, we're coming up to two and a half hours. Um, thank you so much for... Uh, you know, coming on the show, especially for this long. Um, I know, yeah, I know it was a long time. <laughs> no, th- thank you for inviting me onto the House of Mario. I know I've I've been on occasionally in cameo roles, but mm. I've really enjoyed talking to you about well, what's going on in Nintendo news and just what we're playing and that sort of thing. It's been quite quite a good two and a half hours, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you're more than welcome to come on again, whether it's in a few months or whenever. When, like the, the thing is with like guests, like every every week it's kind of like, oh shit, it's uh, it's Monday, it's time to record to get up for Tuesday. Bryce, you coming over? He's like, oh yeah, 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 I'm coming over. And we sort of just, uh, you know, get it together sort of in the last few hours. So when it comes to guests, that usually takes a bit more um, time to organize. But even for you, I reached out in the morning, you said, yep, and we're on at night. So I guess it's, it's not that hard either to get guests on. So yeah, it's cool. So everybody. If, if you ever need, if you ever, Sorry, I was just going to say, if you ever need a last minute fill in for Bryce, give me a call. I'm generally free. Awesome. I will. I will take you up on that offer, my friend. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to the House of Mario episode 152. Uh, Tam, tell us everything you're doing, your social medias, your podcasts. Where can people find it? Everything he says it will be on the show notes. So, be nice and easy to find. Yeah. So, most importantly, uh, if you're interested, check out blowing cartridges that. You can find us on Twitter at at blowpod. Yeah, at blowpod. Uh, we're on we're on Apple Podcasts. I was about to say iTunes. Dan, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're on most sort of podcast services that you can download. Uh, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Tamazoid. Excellent. Yeah, and I like I said it even this episode. I always say iTunes. It's it's it changed a long time ago. It's just to Apple Podcasts, but it's just so hard to get, get that name out of my head. Uh, it, like every time I I say, I'm like, oh, damn it! No, I keep rolling. <laughs> so as yep. far as far as uh, oh, sorry, Tim. No, I was going to say like when when I go to sort of check the the podcast uploads on the podcast app, like the podcast connect like URL you check, yeah. I always type in sort of iTunes <laughs> podcast and I realize, oh, it's not called that anymore. It's like, oh, shit, whoops. Backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> yeah. So if you'd like to follow uh, me or the show, you can follow myself at iDruby. You can follow the show at The House of Mario. And even though Bryce was here, you can still follow him at Ivy Revan. You know, you still give him a follow. Cheeky little boy. Couldn't make it. He's uh, got. He had a busy week this week, so he wasn't able to make it. He's, uh, he's going away with the family on the weekend and he had some things to organize. At least that's what he told me. He might be sitting at home just doing backflips, scratching his head, just going, Ugh. but but I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the word for it. His word for it, but he's not doing that. So um, this week's Nintendo Jukebox is File Select by Video Game Jazz Orchestra. And the File Select music from Super Mario 64 is one of my favorite Nintendo tracks ever, hence why I got a remix of it for the initial intro for the House of Mario. So there it is. So everybody, until next week, the doors to the House of Mario are closed. Catch you later. See ya.